there was an idea that two nerdy pastors would come together and geek out about the things they love. Welcome to the Pastors Assemble Podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pastors Assemble Podcast. I'm your host, Pastor Coco, the Subpar Summoner. With me, as always, is my buddy, Sinister Minister. David, you doing all right this morning? I am mobily all right. Yeah, David's in the car. He had to take a sick kid to the doctor this morning, but he's with us mobily, so if his audio is a little off, I apologize. But uh, we also have a special guest, and she is going to introduce our episode title this week for us, so go for it. Welcome, everyone, to episode 20. MCOC might be lagging, but nothing can stop the jubilant dragon. That's What's right, up, dragon boys? Here. Nice. That What's is up, a dragon? How are, list. You, How are you, girl? I am so excited to be back podcasting. I'm thrilled that you guys invited me. Um, I am I am ready to have some fun. This, the, just yeah. the title makes me excited. So I'm so happy to be here to hang out with you guys. Well, I'm glad I could live up to the to the UMCOC podcast titles. I threw that together yesterday. So it's perfect. <laughs> it it has it has that perfect deacon energy. You did you did perfect. So well, well done. <laughs> deacon and I are spiritual friends. So uh spirit kindred spirit animals or something. Uh, I love You that. very yeah. much are and I love it. So well done. The title is perfect. You have my you have my thanks and I was very amused by the horrible rhyming. Although it's pretty good rhyming considering, but I, thanks, I guess. <laughs> I, I think that was a compliment. Uh, yes, it was. So, with us today, we are recording on International Women's Day, and if you didn't figure that out yet, we are joined by MCOC Dragon this morning. Dragon, it's good to talk to you. It's uh, I planned this out a month ago. I didn't realize it was going to be on episode 20, which round numbers always seem like a big deal to me uh, for some reason. and. <laughs> Also, uh, just... I almost said that's odd, but okay, go ahead. <laughs> oh, but that would have been so funny. <laughs> yeah, David, David likes to drop the dad jokes in. Uh, I have wanted to have you on from the very beginning of doing the show as quickly as possible. Uh, and I thought, well, we should probably get some listenership up before I ask her. And then I was nervous that you wouldn't want to do it. And then you immediately were like, yes, I'd love to. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I'm planning out in my head, like, okay, how am I going to convince her when she says no? And then you're like, of course I'll do it. And I'm like, oh, yay. Okay, great. Um, so uh, I have not uh, been secret about the fact from the very beginning of our show that Dragon has been a very important uh, part of my time in this community uh, I have pestered Dragon repeatedly uh, over the last several years with questions about arena grinding and about beating certain uh, content and about rank-ups and all kinds of other things. And she has never been anything but cordial and wonderful and helpful, uh, even to someone who was just bugging her constantly. Uh, so thanks for joining us today, Dragon. I really appreciate it. Oh my god, you're gonna make me cry with that intro. That's not fair. It's been like five minutes, okay? Um well, I was gonna say like how much I've appreciated Dragon being available even when I've I've bugged her about writing stuff. Um, <laughs> and, and her 
I do occasionally say, hey, how do you do this in arena? Because you are the the uh, the master when it comes to arena grinding that people uh, do turn to because you make yourself available. And yeah, yeah you, I've thrown stuff at you um, uh, when like National Writers Month when you're um, well before and after because I know you're really busy uh, here <laughs> and there. But you've been you've always been just so available and cordial and open and ready to talk about stuff. So yeah, this is awesome having you on the show. I'm I'm so excited to be here. Um, I stuff like that just makes me really happy to be a part of this community. And I know obviously we'll talk more about that. But um, I I really feel like whenever you are part of a community, it is so important to be open, especially if you are <clears throat> loud and opinionated, which we all know I am. Um, yeah. So <laughs> uh, it it just makes me really happy to hear that that impacts people in ways that I might not know and I might not understand. And, you know, hearing it from the both of you, obviously two people who I interact with semi-regularly, um, considering Twitter, because, you know, MCOC Twitter is MCOC Twitter. Um, that just that just makes me really happy. So I love that. So thank you for those compliments. I, I really appreciate them, guys. No problem. It's completely the truth. So, <laughs> uh, so you are a writer as well. I know mm-hmm. that you you got your start writing uh, on Tumblr, and I know you don't want to share that stuff because you want to keep your stream separate, as you said the other day. Uh, but were you writing like fan fiction for another like IP, or were you just writing your own stuff, or like how did you get started with your like writing career as far as building up that following? Uh, so a bit of both. Um, so I have been writing, so I'm 34, and this is relevant, and I'll tell you why in a second, um, f- since I was 12. So okay. the very first thing I wrote, I, I can distinctly remember it, I was 12 years old, and I wrote it from the ages of 12 to 15. Uh, I'd come home every day after school and write this. Um, it was, I put my own character into the Sailor Moon universe. And I didn't even know it was fan fiction. I didn't know what fan fiction was back then. <laughs> I, I, I just thought, oh my gosh, I love Sailor Moon, but I want to put my own character into Sailor Moon and just take over the story. And so I did. Yeah. Um, so, and that monstrosity unfortunately got lost to time because of a computer yeah. crash, but um, it was more than 800 pages long. It was written like, in a script style. It had no grammar. It was just atrocious. Um, but <laughs> that was when I started writing and I didn't stop. Um, since the age of 16, um, so for more than half my life, I've actually been posting works online, um, which has included a mix of both fan fiction and original fiction. Um, I don't shy away from the fact that I write either of those things. Um, and, uh, I've been a prolific writer. Um, I think on one particular website I post on, I have more than 3.5 million words posted. Um, so I... (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's a lot when i actually say the number out that's kind of funny um so i have been writing for a very long time and um have only gotten i'd like to think better uh over the course of that time so um and yeah, it's actually absolutely. gotten me a lot of passion for teaching writing so which i know yeah, sinister minister cool. kind of hinted at yeah that's awesome all right well we'll cover some more of that stuff here in a little bit we'll we're going to devote the last half of the show to mcoc and talking to you but uh, we're yeah. let's jump into our normal nerdy stuff first. Uh, so, uh, a movie came out last week, uh, and Dragon hasn't seen it, but David and I both have. So we'll do a little non-spoilery thoughts. About... Oh wait, no, Sting Two's been out for a month or two, right? I was gonna yeah, say, no, it's... Sting Two's actually been out for a while, and I actually saw that. Yeah, and it's good too. <laughs> I loved it. I love those movies. They're fantastic. Uh, there was a meme are... going around, and someone tried to get me to do this, uh, but to dress up in my Batman suit. 
go to the theater and get my yes, Batman voice going and ask for one ticket to see Sing 2. <laughs> I saw I, that meme. I, yeah, I saw that meme I too. Debated it doing it. I debated doing it, but no. Oh my I gosh, that would have been so funny, I laughed, though. I laughed so hard. Yeah, but it wasn't original, so I couldn't do it. <laughs> it would have been original. If I had thought of it first, I would have done it. <laughs> That's so awesome, though. Yeah, but man, if you had, like, you would have gone viral on TikTok with something like that. It would have been hilarious. It's <laughs> true. Uh, anyway, Sing 2 is a great movie. Y'all should go watch it if you have not. I seen will it. second that. It is a great movie. <laughs> uh, Both of the same movies actually, are good. <laughs> I will. Mm-hmm. I will say this, and it's not that I didn't enjoy the other one. I actually enjoyed Sing 2 more than Encanto, which blew up around the same time that Sing 2 came out. They're both good, but I, I've preferred Sing 2, honestly. Oh, okay. Uh, not that Encanto is bad. Let me know Encanto that I movie, totally so. disrailed the Batman conversation. <laughs> I uh, anyway, the Batman came out. Uh, so kind of our non-spoilery thought. My non-spoilery thought is... Go watch this movie. It's so good. <laughs> but uh, David, I know that you liked it as well. Yes. Uh, I know you had a couple uh, of criticisms, which I, I think are valid criticisms. But yeah. Uh, yeah, we're the, going the to do that I hopefully. Got yesterday, yeah. What's your I, question? I, What's the question? Everybody I saw every um, when I was uh, in my chaplaincy role and when I was at uh, the college, the question that I got from nearly everybody that saw me was, hey, what did you think of the Batman movie? And that to me was like a really fun blimp because um, people just automatically know that I like the Batman movie. So they come to me with, hey, is this, is this worth it? Is this good? Is this bad? What is it? It's really encouraging when people actually um, message me about the Batman movie or stop me to talk to me about the Batman movie. That was awesome. Yeah, for sure. That is, it's always fun whenever, you know, you're connected to something that people connect to you. Uh, yeah. So I get, we get people tagging us on Twitter and certain things now because of things we've talked about on the podcast that they're like, Oh, pastor Coco would like this or David would like this. And so that's pretty neat to see. And we don't even have that big of a following yet, you know? So it's fun to see that. I'm sure that people that have bigger followings get that all the time, but. Uh, I still haven't gotten away from Mojo. It will happen to you forever. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you right now, it will never end, and you will get them forever. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're not going to do the Mojo voice? You can. Go ahead. Nope. Nope. (laughs) I think we will leave that to Royal, because Royal's really good at it. Royal deserves it. We will let Royal have that one. Uh, my so my favorite line from the movie, and it's not really a spoiler because you don't really have any context or anything. But my favorite line in this movie was they were talking. It's towards the end; it doesn't really spoil anything. But he says that scars can damage us long after the physical wounds heal. Uh, but if we can make it through, they can represent something else, and everyone needs hope. Uh, and I just love that. I love it. I love what it represents in the movie, which when you see it in the context of the whole story, it, it means even more. Uh, but just this idea, like I, from my own personal experience, know that like long after, you know, it, it goes for emotional scars too. like long after the maybe the initial shock of something wears off that it can still uh, cause a lot of damage. And uh, it's one of the things I've been working through 
uh, with my counselor the last month as I've been going to counseling in it. Uh, had you, that line just really resonated with me from the movie. So I would encourage everybody to go see it. Uh, David and I might try to do a special Batman episode if we can find time together to do it, to have a big spoilery version of the Batman conversation, because there's a ton to talk about. Uh, and if we can't do that soon, then we'll just wait until it's okay to spoil things, and then we'll talk about it in the future, I'm sure. So I definitely want to see it again and again. Yeah, yes. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. I was going to uh, say, does it have rewatch value? Because for the record, yes. guys, I told them spoilers were fine, but these two are being real nice <laughs> and not spoiling me. I told them it was fine for everyone who wants them to talk about it. So just for the record. <laughs> so I have a there friend. Are some movies, there are some movies that are just amazing, but I don't think have rewatch value uh, because mm-hmm. of how how um, impactful it. Schindler's List is one of those movies that I, I never say- want to watch again but is absolutely amazing and just hits so hard. Uh, yep. Batman, um, not in the same, <laughs> not in the same realm. Uh, it's a really good movie, but it has rewatch value. It's easily one of my top three favorite comic book movies. Uh, wow. Okay. And yeah. It, I the storyline is so good. It really okay. is. It's okay. very good. Uh, I have a friend that I went to seminary with that saw it twice over the weekend. Uh, once wow. by himself, Once by himself and then once with his wife. And then he posted on Facebook the other day that his wife said something about the movie after she watched it. And he was like, well, now I have to go back and watch it again with that, with her statement in mind. So uh, it's one of those movies I feel like as I watch it again, like I'll see things that I didn't see before that'll stick out to me. So I definitely... I definitely want to watch it again. Ooh, uh, I love movies like that where you can catch yeah, something I, you didn't see before. Yeah. Yeah, and I felt the same way about Dark Knight. Like every time I watch Dark Knight, I I pick up some things that I didn't necessarily pick up the first time and uh I just I after watching Dark Knight, I didn't know whether I would enjoy another Batman movie as much as I enjoyed it. And part mm-hmm. of that is because I love Christopher Nolan. He's just a brilliant filmmaker. Uh, but now I'm like, oh, I need to watch other things that Matt Reeves directed because I, I enjoyed this as much, if not more than Dark Knight. So it's very, wow. very good. That's it's, really it's high praise. Very, okay. Very good movie. It's All three right. hours and I did not feel like I was watching a three hour movie. Like it, it sailed by for me. I was not, I was not bothered by the time at all. So awesome. Uh, yeah, I, I in my so. in my opinion, it's 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 definitely a very good movie. So Matt Reeves' uh, show "Ordinary Joe," um, which was on, I think NBC, uh, it just got canceled after one season. It's basically one guy's life through three parallel universes. I guess I never watched it. I was kind of bummed when I heard that it got canceled, as the Batman is just like really hitting uh, hard. So. I don't know. Well, this, this knowing that he did that show, now I need to go check it out because I <laughs> well, wasn't sure about it. But well, no, but I just want to check it out now because I wasn't sure about that show because the, from the previous stuff, I was like, eh. But knowing he's involved, I might have to to check it out and see what I think of it. But always good right. to do that too because you can maybe get hints of what they might do with future filmmaking. So yeah, it's true too. <laughs> For sure. 
Yeah, All right. Uh, well, apparently I have to go watch the Batman. Apparently that's a thing. All right. I mean, I think you two wait. have sold me on it. So you can wait well, six weeks until it's on HBO Max if you don't want to go to a theater. I, I, but. Maybe, but there's some theaters up where I live that kid don't tend to be super popular. So I might wait an extra weekend or two and then go. But um, I, uh, I, and I love the Batman series. Like I have the whole Dark Knight series, like on my computer. Yeah. I watched it regularly. It's one of my background movies I enjoy. Um, so I, I very much enjoy that series. Just so to hear that you like it more than the Dark Knight trilogy, I'm, I'm very intrigued because I would not have expected Robert Pattinson to pull out pull off a batman better than christian his bale batman did. Is amazing. we were his, his so we were talking than... we were talking right before you you jumped on if i had not been told it was robert pattinson and just walked in the theater and started watching this movie and saw batman show up and saw him acting as batman i wouldn't have believed that it was robert pattinson really? i, I really wouldn't like i thought he did such a wonderful job wow so, I, yeah because so this was the timeline that I followed as this movie was announced and stuff. When they first announced they're making another Batman movie, I was like, "We're getting another new version of <laughs> Batman," and I was like, "I'm gonna watch it because it's Batman." But yep, another one already. And then they said Robert Pattinson's playing Batman. And I'm like, with Twinkly Edward, that's that's where we're going for Batman. Okay, I'll still watch it because it's Batman. And then that first teaser trailer came out, and I was like, okay, I'll admit, it looks okay. It, it, it might be okay. And then the full trailer came out, and I was like, all right, y'all got me. I'm going to go watch it. And then Friday night, I'm sitting in the theater, and I'm as I'm watching it, I'm just like, wow, that this is good. This is really good. Holy moly, this is good. Like, So, yeah, I... I'm as shocked as anybody that I liked it as much as Dark Knight and that I enjoyed Robert Pattinson playing Batman and all the other thoughts and feelings I've been having about this movie. But yeah, it's it's really good. So that's awesome. Oh, that, OK. Well, now I absolutely have to go see it just on that endorsement alone, because that's been my experience, too. Like watching the trailer, I'm like, oh, the movie looks interesting. But it's still Robert Pattinson. And I'm like, but, you know, it's probably not bad. So I'm like, well, am I going to pay to go see it in the theater? But now seeing so many people come out and say, you know, I enjoyed it. I like it as much, if not more than The Dark Knight. I'm like, OK, all right. All right. All right. We'll, we'll go <laughs> see it. Um, it. It's interesting. And obviously, this is kind of a conversation for a different podcast. But how many people tend to like the grittier, darker Batman? Because for me that's not my favorite portrayal of batman i'm i'm one of those people who grew up with batman the animated series so like that batman is always my batman and mm -hmm. kind of always will be that's never sure. going to change um so i i kind of like enjoy the grittier stuff but at the same time i'm like oh but that would be nice again if we could go back to that too you, so you will enjoy this movie then okay all right there's like i I felt like this movie was a love letter to year one, the animated series and the Arkham Knight video. Oh, series. that's what it, okay. yeah, it does. Like it feels it like watching all of those have a love child and then come on screen. Like it. Ooh, it yeah, okay. I, I really think you'll enjoy the movie if you grew up on the animated series. So I, I very much did quite religiously. So, all right. Sounds awesome. Okay. Well, I mean, Ooh. that makes sense. You and I are, basically the same age so i grew up watching it so. 
<laughs> yep, all the cartoons, all of the time. Yep. I'm sure. I'm sure David was already, you know, complaining about the clouds or something, but yelling at clouds. Yep. Sorry. David. Clouds have just been invented. Uh huh. <laughs> this is me not believing you. Just saying. <sighs> All right. Well, now I am excited to see this, so I will have to. I will have to make that happen. Yeah, we come... converted somebody, no. <laughs> and I know who to come talk to um, when when I have I have I have thoughts because I always yeah, have thoughts when, when I have, get out of movies. When you have thoughts, feel free to DM me. That is that is perfectly all right. All right. So Ruggable has a Marvel collection now, which that may not matter to anybody else, but I was excited about it. I can't afford to buy them, but I want to. Uh, so Ruggable is these like really nice washable rugs and they have all kinds of patterns and stuff. Uh, and they already have a star Wars collection, but they have a Marvel collection now. Uh, and it's pretty cool because they have some, you know, some people like my wife, uh, doesn't mind having like comic booky stuff, but doesn't want it to look like comic booky stuff. Like we have these curtains in our kitchen that she bought for me because they kind of look like Iron Man's armor, but they're not like Iron Man curtains. They're just red and gold, like swirly pattern curtains. But it was Iron Man curtains because I wanted to have Marvel stuff in our house. Uh, and so uh, some of these ruggable rugs are kind of like that. Like you can't tell unless you're like looking really intently at it that it's Marvel stuff, but it's like Marvel damask patterns and that kind of stuff. So. I thought that was cool. If you need a new rug, you can go check that out at ruggable.com, I think is their website. Uh, but they have some that are character-based, some that are comic panel-based, some that are just the Marvel logo in different colors and stuff like that. So uh, you might want to check that out if you need some nerdy decorations for your home or office. I doesn't want um, nerdy decorations, let's be honest. I mean, those are the best. As I, as I as I not so suddenly look me. over at the the Marvel like themed stuff that I have in my very own room, so yes, uh, everyone needs Marvel swag just just to decorate. It's true. Yeah, I've got my comic book letters on my bookshelf behind me from Hobby Lobby that are my initials and my work's initials in like comic panels. It's pretty cool. nice. And then I have a. I guess it would technically be considered new Fantastic Four clock. It's the, it's Hulk, Wolverine, Iron Man, and Spider Man. Oh, that's awesome! The, like four quarters clock. So, oh, which cool. got broken, so the clock doesn't work. But I still have the clock back because the mm -hmm. I need to buy new clock hands for it because it broke. But and then I've got a bunch of posters somewhere in storage that I need to to get moved. But. All the nerd stuff. Yes. Yeah, I love nerds. I love me some nerd stuff. That's a Alrighty. Uh there's a new book coming out uh in October that I read about this weekend called My Superhero is Black. And it is a history and uh kind of a I guess detailed history of black characters and black uh creators. Uh, in the Marvel universe, so I thought that was a pretty, pretty neat thing that's that's coming soon. It's by Angelique Roche, I think is how you pronounce her name, and John Jennings. So she is the host, or one of the hosts of the Marvel Voices podcast, which is a podcast about uh, people of color in comics and 
representation and stuff like that. And then John Jennings has taken some, uh, they refer to it as Afrofuturist literature, which honestly I don't know enough about stuff to know what that means other than it's people of color writing. I don't know the exact genre. Uh, he has taken some of that literature and tra and adapted it into graphic novels in the past. Um, so he is uh, one of the other authors of the book. Uh, the cover art is available, and I think it's available for pre-order now. Uh, but I thought this was a really neat thing that they're doing. Uh, I don't know if there's a one, if there is already one uh, that focuses on women, but hopefully in the future there'll be one uh, along those lines as well for female creators and female characters, because I think this is a really cool uh, concept and thing that's being put out. So have you all seen anything about this or you have any thoughts about this book that's coming? No, sir, but I'm dropping a little one off, so I'll be right back. Good. Um, so I I love compilation books like this, and while I haven't seen or heard of this one in particular, um, I do have a couple of books similar to this. Um, mm -hmm. I, I really enjoy it specifically because it gives us a look into the history of the creators, and it shows the journey that a lot of them go on. And yeah. and I, I love appreciating that because, you know, a, a lot of people don't understand how to get into these industries sometimes. Um, and, yeah, and especially sure. people who aren't represented as frequently as others. Um, so I, I love the fact that this book is going to go into that. Um, and any any I grew up watching anime is the other thing. Like um, I was watching Cartoon Network from the time I was like 11. I loved Cartoon Network. Um, yeah. So I've always watched anime. So like seeing also graphic novels still be prevalent, still be like um, a thing that a lot of people are invested in, interested in and creating just makes me happy because I still love graphic novels to this day. Um, and not just comic books, but just, you know, graphic novels in general, like V for Vendetta or The Watchmen, stuff like that. So I love that they're doing that as well. So, yay! Yeah, I think it's gonna be great. Yeah, and I I love the um, I love that they're taking like this guy's done this with stuff, but I've seen it done with other literature as well. I love that they're taking like literary classics and adapting them into graphic novels, not because yes. people shouldn't read the books. Like you totally should read the book at some point, but like. I feel like graphic novels allows uh, people to be exposed to that literature younger. Like, not, yeah. not like, not age appropriate younger, but like, it might be easier for a 14 year old to maybe read the graphic novel first before they jump into reading Pride and Prejudice. Like, they might be able to access the story a little easier in a graphic novel form than trying to read, you know, Jane Austen. For not, sure. that they not that they shouldn't read Jane Austen, but like, <clears throat> you know, people learn differently. Yeah. And like for people that are visual learners, having because, you know, not a lot of lit I don't know if people know this or not. Not a lot of literary classics are illustrated. So <laughs> like having pictures to illustrate the story at the same time might be helpful for some people that are having a hard time grasping the story of some of these literary classics, you know. Well, it also bridges the language gaps, right? Because yeah, exactly. we've got some of these classics that are, you know, in the, you know, hundreds of years, sometimes older. And it's very hard to, especially for younger kids, like, you know, young teenagers to, to have the 
understanding of language to be able to get the gist of what's going on, um, you know, without any other frame of reference. I mean, yeah. Shakespeare's a, a great example. Like Shakespeare, you know, we don't appreciate some of the jokes that are yeah. like in sure. Shakespeare just because we don't have that kind of uh, integration with the language. Yeah, exactly. yeah, like, you know, <laughs> nobody knows, you know, I bite my thumb at you, sir, is him giving the middle finger. And in yeah, that context, exactly. That's hilarious, but yeah. but you don't know that just from that particular phrasing. So um, I agree. I I think so many more novels should be adapted for gra for specifically for graphic novels because of how much more accessible it just makes content in general. Um, because you can tell a very different story visually than you can tell just with words. And I say that as an author, like yeah, <laughs> trust me, I would know. <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. you can tell a very I mean... different story with pictures, you, and it's great. Yeah, I mean, and I think there are, there are some books that, uh, as you read, they just demand visualization uh, from how descriptive the author is. I'm thinking of like uh, some H.G. Wells stuff, um, mm -hmm. The Time Machine, and the way he describes what he's seen. And I, I would love to see. Well, I, I can read it and I can visualize it. Sometimes it's just really fun to see what someone else visualizes when. Um, I, we just have a tendency as a society to visualize two completely different things, even when one thing is described. And that can uh, often allow us to, to look at things from a different perspective. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's, I think it's fun, especially if, you know, cause some now that they've started doing, like I know the Dresden Files series that Jim Butcher has been helping them adapt it, the books into graphic novels. And I like it when the creators themselves are involved. I mean, obviously, some of these authors have been dead for 100 years. But with newer stuff, like with the people that wrote the books being involved in adapting stuff, you get to see like what they had. Because part of when you read a book, like you imagine this things looking a certain way, but that may not actually be the vision that the creator had for what things are supposed to look like, you know. Uh, so I think it's cool whenever the creators are involved and you get to see what they visualized it as as they were writing it. I think that's always a neat thing. But yeah, I mean, the you know, the language thing is a big thing because I know that there's lots of stuff I read in high school that was difficult to read in English, and I know English. So if you're trying to read it in Spanish when it's been translated from old English and it was hard to understand in English and then you're trying to translate it to another language and keep the same like the same humor and the same uh tone of the story and everything like that's you know I do a lot of for my for one of my five jobs I have now uh I do a lot of stuff with uh foreign language translations of the projects that we do so we do them all in English but then we're doing them in other translations now so I've been doing a lot of stuff in Russian and Spanish lately. And like, just, it's a lot of technical stuff. And so trying to translate it into Spanish and Russian, but keep the the essence of the technical terms and the essence of what you're, we're trying to teach with the stuff we did in English, but trying to translate it to these other languages for people. Uh, you know, and illustrations obviously can help with that a lot. So... But you I know the be, fun of having were... to deal with grade levels then. Ugh. Yeah, <sighs> a little bit, yeah. I mean, yeah. all the stuff I'm doing is for, well, I mean, it's for the A&M Vet School, but we're also, we develop a lot of stuff for like, 
like uneducated like farmers and mm-hmm. ranchers and stuff like that too. So uh, trying to have super technical stuff, but still have it on the on a level that someone who maybe didn't go to school can understand because they have a small farm and they need resources and stuff too. So yeah, it's a a very interesting thing, which I'm not, I'm on the tech side of things. I don't really deal with content stuff. We have PhDs and stuff that develop the content, but I, I, my wife and I both work on the tech side of uploading things and creating our sites and putting the content up and making sure people can access it and all that kind of stuff. But I do a lot of stuff with our translation teams, like subtitling videos. So like the last three weeks, I've been subtitling videos in Russian and Spanish, neither of which I can speak. So that's been super fun. So what'd you say, David? Uh, Did either of you come across the, uh, I think it was the Action Bible. It was a graphic novelization of scripture. I own. This is like from. I own a copy of the action. You say I don't own a copy, but I know of it, and I have read it. So yes, I I have seen and read it. Those were so fun. Uh, Even I even have uh, the Brick Bible, uh, which is the Lego um, take. Now, while it was produced by an individual who um, uh, does not share necessarily the same beliefs, um, it was such a um, unique. And just visual representation. That, that visual stimulation is so so good, so fun, important. Yeah, Jesus is jacked in the Action Bible. Uh. <laughs> I was gonna say, I do remember that. It reminds me so much of Dogma. Every time I every time I look at it, I'm just like, ah, it's their version of the Buddy Christ. Wonderful, yeah. and it just makes yeah. me laugh so Buddy much. Jesus. Rob Rob Liefeld uh, did a a series that I can't find anywhere, but it was um, zombie Jesus uh, was the essential um, presence oh of it. Not, it's, it's, not like, it's not like walking dead zombie Jesus, uh, but Jesus rises from the dead and he has command over the living and the dead. And it was just so, <laughs> it was so fascinating. He did a series called like, the Covenant. So um, like necromancer so Jesus. <laughs> kind awesome. of, kind of. He had done done a biblical series uh, called The Covenant, uh, which is uh, based around uh, Samuel, and that was a fascinating read. And just, I'm all for like, hey, have fun with it, knock yourself out, good stuff. Totally, just gonna have a moment where I'm like, just gonna remind everybody casually, that's fan fiction. Sorry, I have to, I have to have that moment where like. Everybody does these sort of knockoffs, any sort of my take on XYZ. And I love seeing that because I'm like, look, it's modern day fan fiction. But if I ever say that, everyone's like, Rawr, that's not how it works. I'm like, but that's exactly how it works. Believe it or not, from someone who's been I, writing it for two decades. <laughs> when I was in high school, probably, I I had come up with this entire like story in my head and I used to like walk around and like think about it as I was walking around and stuff. And I would like pretend I was acting out scenes of it and everything in my head. And it was about this group of people that had control of the different elements, but they couldn't actually like create them. They just, they had to have like a part of that element in order to control it or whatever. And then there was this one. You wrote avatar, didn't you? You created avatar. (laughs) That's what I'm trying to get at. Like, People always say like, oh, they just stole stuff. And I'm like, it's possible to independently come up with things because I had this whole story in my head 
And I come up with it, and then there was this one character that was going to be able to actually, you know, create the elements and not just manipulate them. And then I finally saw Avatar The Last Airbender, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that that's Avatar The Last Airbender. But I had never seen it before. I just, it was just something that was in my head, and then I finally watched the show, and I'm like, oh, I, I came up with an, with an anime that already exists. So, uh, so in a in a former <laughs> life, Nickelodeon stole from me or something. <laughs> but anime at that. But it just goes to show that the like uh, original ideas can have the same base because we all pull in from uh, inspiration from similar places, right? So yeah, it doesn't I make mean... your interpretation of it any less valid. You know, I would have loved to read or see that story that you're describing because, hey, maybe it was similar to Avatar, but maybe it wasn't. And I, I love Avatar: The Last Airbender. I think it's one of the best uh, animated cartoons that's come out in decades. But um, I, I think there's always room for my version in in yeah. whatever version of you're talking about like i and i love that concept the yeah, story well, of being stock and Katara does not have to be the only story in that universe exactly so i want the cabbage man's perspective true. let's go yeah. yes, uh, yes. you know uh one of these days when i'm not working 37 jobs and then taking on hobbies like this maybe i'll finally write a book but i've i have stories I was, in my head that i've started over the years and just never i was at a comic-con a few years back and um i went to like one of these breakout sessions that they were having and it was on like uh spirituality and and uh the avatar or something like that mm-hmm. and the the panelist asked you know who were the most important characters in this show and so obviously everybody's yelling out uh the big ones and i i finally uh raised my hand cabbage man <laughs> this is before uh, uh i think it was uh i haven't seen the uh the second series that came out what was it uh cora yeah the, the legend yeah. of cora yep. yeah i haven't i haven't seen it which i'm sad we'll watch it eventually we we did play it got it i just haven't had time to watch it but at any rate i'm like the cabbage man is so important to the whole series he's he's a throwaway uh character i get it but he's always there um and it, i don't know it just there's something unique about about his role, so I'm glad that you mentioned him. That makes me happy, Dragon. I love him. He's the thing is, as a writer, you appreciate little in jokes that just become continuity over the course of time. Like, I mean, you see it on stuff like podcasts too. I mean, think about the Royal Mojo thing. Like that spanned literally dozens of podcasts. Right, I don't even remember where that started. Like, it just it just became an in joke that spans everything. And cabin cabbage man and basically became an in joke. Yeah. And this point, oh my god, this point. Well, this point had a specific origin, to be fair, but now it has an emoji and a whole bunch of other things too. So it has a lot um, of its own now. And it was it hilarious. Was. <laughs> I laughed so hard. You and I everybody so else. Hard when that happened. Oh, oh man, it was so goodness. good. And it was the the speed with which Dave was able to fifteen to minutes later to transform it into something else was yeah Dave's the best he's awesome. Alrighty, so our friend Katie Candy uh, has a new podcast, and I've been meaning to bring this up the last couple of weeks, and I kept forgetting to uh, that she co-hosts with the Droker on Twitter uh, called Comics to Cinema, and they are talking about. Um, just 
the the journey of characters from their comic book form to what we see in live action and animation uh, in the MCU and uh, just on the big screen. Uh, so I wanted to shout them out. Uh, I haven't had a chance to listen to any of them yet, uh, but I'm sure they're doing a wonderful job. Katie uh, is a very entertaining person. Uh, so I'm She's sure that so that is passionate a... about comics. She's so she passionate is. about she comics, really, really and I is. love listening to her talk about them. So uh, have y'all, have either of y'all had a chance to listen to any of those yet? I listened to the first one. I listened to the first one. Um, And and I I adored it. it. Uh, I love it. Because, because again, um, Katie did this when she was on the UNCOC podcast for a little while, was talking about like, yeah. So I love hearing this because while I'm into comics, I am definitely not like neck deep into comics so i love hearing the perspective of someone who is that deep into the uh comic world and stuff i don't know i i have a list somewhere i think it's tucked into one of my copies of hawkeye um of like comics i want to check out as a result of katie recommendations and it's like 15 15 series long like it's just it's a list that slowly grows and grows and grows every time i hear katie talk about comics because um she gets me super engaged and interested and i think very much this podcast will continue to do that is like get you interested in reading the original material where stuff came from where it originated um so yeah uh, high high praise to those guys they're doing wonderful and the podcast is a lot of fun to listen to yeah i i identify with that that sentiment as well like i love to read comics i'm woefully underread <laughs> in comics uh which is funny because I now have started garnering this reputation as like somebody that knows a lot of stuff because of being in charge of the wish list and because of this podcast and stuff like, and I am so woefully underread compared to a lot of our other friends in the community and stuff. But I've like developed this false like reputation as ask Pastor Coco about it. He'll know. I'm like, I just Google it. But like, if I don't know, I look it up. Like. Everybody does that, though. I'm, it's so I'm... funny, though, because, like, it's the same way with MCOC. Like, people see me as, like, this bastion of knowledge. And I'm like, guys, I just looked it up on Aunt May. Like, you could have done the same <laughs> thing. Like, I mean, you... they're like, how does this synergy work? And I just go to Aunt May, and I'm like, well, it does this. And they're like, oh, thanks. And I'm like, you could have looked it up yourself, but you're welcome. Uh, so, uh, it's... I, I'm Part a, of being an expert is knowing where to find the answer. And I firmly believe that uh, that is that is a rule yes, that I tend to I live am, by. You are I an expert because you know where to find answers. I am very much in the fake it till you make it camp of experts, but I, I, I'm a good <laughs> I am an expert Googler. So that helps me a lot. So it's all that matters, man. Uh, our buddies Jay and XN uh, did an interview on XN interviews with Captain Bay over the weekend. That's now available on their channel. I haven't had a chance to check it out yet, but uh Captain Bay is always an enjoyable listen. I've jumped on his streams a couple of times, and he's super, super fun. So I'm sure that interview is great if you want to go check that out. Uh, he buries right. you in puns. Fair warning. He does it in person, too. You will be buried in puns. Just, yeah, just fair he, warning. He does appreciate a good pun. So <sighs> yes, he does. Like puns Yay. like Dragon, then... <laughs> No, I love puns. I just sigh at them because they're so bad sometimes. I, yeah, I love puns, but they're puns, man. <laughs> I love, I love that you hate puns, and you spent the last few years hanging out with Deacon and Cap and 
all these other people that that's all they do is fun stuff. Yep. All right. Is there any other nerdy news or anything y'all wanted to talk about before we jump into the to the latter half of our show today? No, but I have one recommendation I would like to make office. of everybody listening. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's no, I'm, sorry? I was just saying that I'm almost to the office, so we're, we're okay, good. Cool. Keep going. Sweet. I've got one thing I want to mention real quick, and then I'll turn it over and let you talk about whatever you want to, Dre. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I have another nerdy thing that I might be doing. Uh, there is a nonprofit uh, that I'm a part of their Facebook group now uh, and have been for a little bit that's called Love Thy Nerd. Uh, and their goal is a group, it's a nonprofit that a guy started that their goal is to minister to nerdy people like they do church at comic-con and they do just they they value people that are nerds they value gaming they they want people to understand that you can be a christian and play dungeons and dragons and play video games and all that kind of stuff which is near and dear to my heart because i feel the same way uh but they have a radio network a streaming radio network where they do different uh music blocks uh and they have decided they want to add radio hosts to those blocks. Uh, it's going to be like pre-recorded stuff. Um, but so I am sometime in the next week uh, recording an audition tape to be one of their radio hosts. So uh, wonderful I'm forward to, to doing that. I think it'll be fun. Hopefully I get to, to be a part of that. And hopefully get to someday oh, be so more involved with them. Uh, they've got some podcasts and some live streams and stuff like that that they do. And then they do con church. So hopefully one day I can be a part of that as well. But uh, So yeah, uh, I don't have enough things clogging up my schedule. So I thought, why not? I'll add <laughs> something else. And I was going to try to record it after we got done today, but my son's daycare is closing early. So I have to go as soon as we get done here and pick him up because his daycare has to go run an errand or something and they had a appointment that they had to take this afternoon but Uh ah so dragon what you got you said you had something to ask of the audience so yes i do so i want to ask the audience to google something and then i i just and it's in the spirit of the month it's in the spirit of the fact that it's international women's day um i want you to google rarely known women in history and, and you'll get a whole bunch of hits. There's a whole bunch of different articles. You don't need to read any one particular one, but just take 10 minutes out of your day and peruse one of those articles. Um, and I, I strongly encourage it because you'll find out a whole bunch of things that you might not have known before. Um, the oldest surviving uh, university in the world was founded by a woman. Um, wow. A woman in Japan wrote the first ever novel, like, the first ever novel. It's called The Tale of Genji. Um, you know, mm-hmm. uh, a woman started the entire sci-fi industry. You know, thank you, yeah. Mary Shelley. <laughs> um, <laughs> who, by the way, has like the most fascinating and creepy life. Like she was emo before emo was ever a thought in anybody's head. She is like yes. the queen of all things emo. Um, so, and obviously those are some slightly more well-known names, but um, you find out so many interesting pieces of history where women are involved that you might not have known. Um, I'll throw out one that is very relevant to today's world. Um, obviously with the new vaccines that have come out, they have new technology that mRNA 
technology. The only reason the MRA technology was ready, because a woman took it and has been working on it for the last 30 years, trying mm-hmm. to get it to a point where it's scalable, and now it is. So yeah. that's a little known fact of the technology. So I just wanted to shout out a couple of things like that, because obviously this is a day for celebrating women. And yeah. as excited as I am to talk about you know, being a woman in a gaming community, I haven't had anywhere near as much real world impact as some of these people have. So take a few minutes to just find a couple of people you may never have heard about and, you know, appreciate the impact they've had on the world because it's been pretty significant. So that's my request to the audience. Yeah, for sure. I, I researched a bunch about Mary Shelley in high school because I, we had to do a, a project on a poet and her husband, Percy Shelley, was a poet. Uh, and mm-hmm. so I I didn't realize that that was his wife when I started working on the project. And as I'm researching him, I find out about her, and I'm like, and I'm like digging more into her. And I'm like, wow, she's not the poet. I have to do the project on him, but I'd really rather be writing about her because her story is so fascinating. Uh, and so, and uh, you probably know this because you're a writer, but the the reason that she wrote Frankenstein was her and her husband and another friend of theirs used to get together and they would have a contest where they would each write a story. Like, it was basically like a story contest between this group of friends. And she wrote the original idea for Frankenstein as a part of this just friendly contest that this group of writers that were friends had amongst each other and everyone voted that her story was the best. And they're like, you you should really, like write this story and so that that was why she wrote the novel frankenstein was because of this basically short story that she had written that her friends and family were like no you should really you should really write this whole story it's really 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 good um so i've always thought that that was a really cool thing yeah um she is a fascinating character to look into (laughs) if you if you've never if you've never like done some googling like i highly recommend doing some googling on mary shelley and then realize that not all of it is made up and not all of it is because of the internet and a whole bunch of it is verifiable. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah she's, her life was crazy for sure. And she wrote some crazy stuff as well. Uh, you could also check out the book and movie Hidden Figures, which is about Katherine Johnson and her friends that worked at NASA. Uh, they literally basically saved the space program. Uh, uh, if you haven't seen that movie or read that book, you should go check that story out, listeners. It's it's fascinating. Uh, look up Lucy Starnes Foster. She just died this past week. Uh, she was the first black student enrolled at the University of Alabama, and they just renamed one of the buildings after her uh, after removing the name of the former governor, who was also a Klan member. Um, so... Uh, good replacement there i think yep and i will make one more recommendation um there is a documentary out recently about lucille ball um not the movie the ricardos but there's actually a documentary about her um for those of you who are star trek fans because i'm assuming (laughs) most nerds at least adjacently like star trek in some capacity um Mm. the only reason star trek exists is because of lucille ball because she uh was the driving force behind the Mm -hmm. producer producing of star trek so the fact that star trek is now what it is is because of a woman so there's one more like little women in history making a huge difference that you might not have known about so yeah desilu productions was very much responsible for star trek making it to air so 
Yep. That is a, that is also a fascinating story that everyone should go check into because it's really cool. <laughs> All righty. Yes. So uh, let's jump on over, and I want to kind of ask you some questions and kind of just go through your life and time in this community, and then we'll talk about some MCOC stuff as well. But Heck yeah, man. Let's go. So what got you into comics? I know you said you're not like a hardcore comic reader, but like what got you into comics? Was it anime? Was it mangas? Was it What was it that attracted you to this medium in the first place? So I think I can probably explain the answer to that by telling you the very first comic book I ever bought. Um, And and not counting when I'm a kid, like first comic book I ever bought as an adult with my own money and actually got me into comics. Um, And it was Matt Fraction's Hawkeye series. Yeah, Um, it was. (laughs) (laughs) And and it was specifically because I'd seen a couple of panels describing the writing. And it was a series of panels that basically said, um, you know, it was describing depression and using his comics. And I was like, Ooh, this looks really cool. Um, But it was people get broken down into a series of nouns. And it was just like, you know, wake, work, eat, sleep kind of a thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But it all used images of Hawkeye. And I was like, Oh, well, I really like Hawkeye. Um, Cause I was watching the movies at this point. Um, I'm like, Oh, I really like Hawkeye. And I'd seen the cartoons. So I'm going to, I'm going to see where this is from. And I looked it up and I bought the Matt Fraction books and fell head over heels in love with his portrayal of Hawkeye. Um, and it's still my favorite to date with with no question. He is still my favorite writer of anything Hawkeye. Um, and I went, oh, I really like this. Is there anything else like this that I can find? Um, and, and I picked up some other stuff, but it all seemed very large and intimidating, um, which is very true for most comic fans who get into the industry and then realize like, Oh my God, all these timelines. Oh my God, all these series. Oh my God, where do I start? Bah, everything gets really scary and really intimidating. Thankfully, I had a friend who was super into comics um, and we have a very dedicated comic community, which I didn't know about where I live locally. Um, and he kind of pulled me aside and he said, okay, do you like Deadpool? I'm like, well, yeah, he's funny. And they were like, okay, read this. And he gave me a Deadpool series. And I was like, okay, I got this. All right. Um, and that made it a little bit less intimidating after I'd read my way through a couple Deadpool series to start absorbing some of the larger world. So I don't think I'll ever be a comic aficionado, um, but I enjoy reading through, um, I have a Marvel Unlimited subscription, for example. Um, I, I enjoy reading through here and there, like, oh, hey, I want to read through the House of X, you know, series, which I know isn't technically a series, but that whole piece of the world of X-Men and uh, a few mm-hmm. others. I wanted to see like the source of the comic book panel that was Wanda's No More Mutants you know, where did that come from? What was the history behind that? Because obviously that's very iconic. Um, so, and kind of like dipped my toes in from there. So um, that's how I got into comics was because of a random panel that used uh, Matt Fraction's Hawkeye. And I fell in love with his Hawkeye. So, <laughs> As well you should. Uh, it's no secret if you've listened to this podcast how much I love Fraction and Aegis Hawkeye run. It's so good. It is. So, uh, and as far as your question of other things like it, I haven't found anything else like it, honestly. Like, like there's other stuff that I love. I, I don't feel like I've read another series that is like that series to date. There might be some stuff. It humanizes if you, it. If you found it, some stuff, it send it my way. Uh, my unlimited subscription, I just had to cancel because I couldn't afford to, to do another year of it. Yeah. But hopefully I will get it back in the near future because I've got so much to read. Uh, but uh, the thing I like about comics, though, is that 
you can get as involved or as surface level as you want to. Like, you can go read the main House of M storyline. And if you don't want to read House of M in every single X-Men comic, you don't have to. You can get the gist of the main story without having to read 37 offshoots. Because, you know, every big event they do, it's like, okay, the next technical part of the story is in Excalibur number 37, and then <laughs> this is yep. in X-Force 14.5 or whatever. But, like, a lot of the big storylines, there's, like, an actual book, like, for, like, Avengers vs. X-Men. There's AVX 1 through 12 or whatever. Yeah. Right. And if you want to just read that, you can just read that. Now, if you want to get the I entire have... complete story, you can go read Avengers, and you can go read X-Force, and Excalibur, and New X-Men, and whatever other books are involved in that as well. But, like, when you I, can be when as I little or as much collecting... involved as you want. When I, yeah. when I started collecting, um, the Infinity War was going on. Okay. And I think that was 12 comics total. But there was over 120 crossovers. Yes. Uh, yeah, exactly. And I, I think this is one of the reasons why DC's Arrowverse does so well. Uh, I was just talking with a buddy of mine the other day. He only watched the Arrow series, whereas mm-hmm. I tried to watch Arrow, Flash, Legends, uh, and yeah. Supergirl. And it would just, I was so bogged down. Uh, but anytime those crossovers happened, I knew exactly what was going on. Yeah, um, you had all the context. Right. Whereas he only had uh, everything that was Arrow-centric. Uh, yeah. And it was, it was cool, but you can do that in comics. and um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, and your friend Fun made stuff. a mistake, because if you're only going to watch one of those shows, it should definitely be The Flash. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I've watched both of those. I don't know. I'm uh, more. I think I'm more of an Arrow fan, but I I watched them all. Uh, Arrow and Flash were both really really good. That uh, is but they true. Were they very, are really good. They they are very different. <laughs> yeah, they are. Uh, I I personally different. I think I actually liked Legends more than any of them because Legends was oh just that was wacky, my least favorite. Wacky and off the wall and no, I was gonna say I love Legends stuff, the most I, too. I loved it. Uh-huh. I think Supergirl I, I is my Legends. least favorite, but. Uh, Legends, the only reason I loved Legends is because I really liked, oh, who's the original pilot? Um, yeah, oh, that's true. I can't remember his name now. Him, him and uh, Constantine, th- those are the only reasons I really, really liked Legends. Um, but yeah. yeah. Everyone, everyone likes something different. That's the best part about it. Yeah. The one thing yeah. I'll say, oh, the one thing I'll say about crossovers, it works really well on television. Sometimes on the comics, mm-hmm. it does not work. Like you, it the makes the plot that the author might have been writing like veer into this massive event to to make sense. It it requires shoehorning, and I feel like that takes mm-hmm. away from storytelling sometimes. So while I do enjoy like on the TV shows those crossovers, and I do a ton, I I feel like in comic books it is done now to such an extent that it's actually a detriment to the stories that are being told across comic books. And and yeah, I so I, I have a love hate relationship with these massive events. I, I think it was really good mm-hmm. the first like three times they did it, but now that it's become <laughs> like a constant thing, it's just hurting the stories. And and yeah, I think that's I mean, my point of frustration with it. Yeah, because so 
I shouldn't have to read 300 books to get the story. You right. Know, like, if I want to read those and get more story, that's fine. Mm-hmm. But, like, the main thrust of the story should be contained in, like, for instance, like, AVX 1 through 12. Like, I should be able sure. to get the majority of the story just from reading those books. Because you told me this is Avengers versus X-Men. This is the big event. I should be able to get the main story there. If I want background context for other things, I can go read these other comics. But I shouldn't have to read them to know what the heck is going on, you know? So, you know, I, I get that. And it's, you know, unfortunately, that's just kind of where comics are. The the big event is the thing now. Like, Yeah, right, I, I, I just... Coming and, I know. know. <laughs> I, I guess I just want more contained stories. Like, like it's okay really to, to have a story that's 10 comic books long and that's your story. Great. Write another one. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's, there's certain yeah. artistic freedom in being able to say, this is the story I want to tell. This is where it ends. And like, if you want to imagine more great, imagine more, you know? Um, but I want to tell my next story. And, and I don't think there's enough of that in comics. I, I really I, like allowing something to end to start something new. Cause it's the multiverse, right? You can write 50,000 yeah. right. runs of captain America. Like, why don't you? <laughs> like it's it's one of those things right. where I, I kind of wish that would happen more. And now it only happens really because you get a new artist, a new writer, and they're like, okay, cool, I'm going to do my own thing. Which is great, but it leaves all these fractured ends everywhere, right? Because yeah. you don't allow things to, to I, end. I think that's one of the things I like about, because there's, there's two new Captain America series coming out, and they may have started already. But one is following Sam as Captain America, and the other one is following Steve as Captain America. I love that because there's nothing wrong with going back and writing a new story for Steve, even though Sam is now Captain America in, you know, primary continuity or whatever. Yeah. Steve is Captain America. He was for years. So I think it's cool to go write a new story. Like I, I've become a really big fan of like limited series. Like there's some TV shows that I've watched that that's it. There's, there's this many episodes and it's the whole story. It's not like, okay, we're coming back for season two, even though we don't really have story for a season two. This is our story. It's over. <laughs> uh, and there's something to be said for that. Like, if you only have 12 issues of a story, write a 12-issue story and then go back to the drawing board and come up with a new one. Like, you don't have to try and stretch it into 100 issues because people want to read more. If you only have 12 issues worth of story... Write twelve good issues and then come up with a new story. So, yeah. So I, I wish uh, more I'll, people did that. I'll circle Sorry, the. I'll circle the. Uh, I'm going to circle the conversation back to what we had started with on Batman. Uh, one thing that's really cool what they've done. You've watched this three hour movie, right? Now they are uh, going to have these two spin off series. Uh, one series is going to be about uh, Penguin becoming the Penguin, a- and it doesn't have to take place. Um, the same time as this movie, which is really cool. I mean, I, I love when a when a comic book or now a movie or even a TV series takes a character that was not necessarily uh, front and center, uh, but maybe had uh, an important role in a, a series. I want to see their spinoff. I want to see what happens in the interim or uh, what happens next with them. Um, Punisher was a great example during Civil War. I loved his character during Civil War because he wasn't really willing to take sides. I mean, he did, but when, um, when bad guys started to get recruited, he's like, no, we ain't doing this. 
And, and there was a whole little Punisher spinoff. Uh, I think it was three comics where he cleaned up some stuff. Those those spinoffs are just so there's so much right there that you can you can have fun with. They don't have to uh, overlap. Different artists can go a different way with it. I, the spinoff needs more more uh, attention. Everybody just wants to focus on Captain America. Okay, great. We can focus on Captain America, but who else can we focus on from the story? Uh, let's yeah. let's see why Red Skull is the way he is, um, or why um, they did this pretty good in the um, the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series, where they focused on the Flag Smashers. Uh, yeah, and yep. they kind of developed develop the bad guys. I'm trying to remember which show we were just talking about, uh, Coco, where I said I wanted more development of the of the bad guy, not just the fact that they're a bad guy. Why do I not like them? Why? What's wrong with them? What show were we talking about? Oh, it was about uh, the Pike Syndicate in Book of Boba Fett. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. Um, <laughs> I, I agree <laughs> entirely with that sentiment. I agree so much. <laughs> Make the bad guys the bad guys. Uh, why Why are they so evil? And if you can make me like the bad guys, I hate you, but good job. Um, yeah. Thanos being a perfect example? A great example. I mean, Thanos was right. Or was he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it gives you that, it gives you that uh, emotional-driven conundrum. Right. Um, right. Yeah. For sure. you, you know who else is a great example that I'll throw out a lady character there because that's our theme for today. Um, yeah. Harley Quinn from the original animated series was this random yeah. side character that got introduced and now has become a character who is like the main character in multiple movies. Now she's a character who has multiple comic runs. Now she's a character who, you know, is a mainstay of the DCU. Like, and, mm -hmm. and she started as this random side character that showed up in the joker in an animated series yeah yeah right. and she's now a powerhouse uh, so yes i'll throw out there uh typhoid mary and the daredevil uh tv series yes uh, yes she she is one of those that man they could have they could do so much more with her so much more and i think she deserves a lot more and hopefully disney you're listening because i know disney you're listening um, <laughs> make this happen make this happen i would love that oh, let great. let dragon write her <laughs> i would have fun with that oh that would be so much fun <laughs> it would be i i would have fun with that I, yeah i'll produce it for you i don't know what that means but i'll do it heck yeah i just had flashbacks to the episode of family guy where lois makes peter the producer of their stage play the king and i <laughs> I know that episode. Yep. <laughs> Where are the sharks? Why are there why are there dinosaurs? Do you want me to produce this play or not, Lois? Love that show. Uh so we got super sidetracked, but that's cool. Uh so Dragon, how did you get into MCOC? Like have you been playing since the beginning? I know that you said that you didn't pick up comics until Fractions Hawkeye, so that I means that's relatively recently. I know it's been yeah. a while now, mm. but when did you get into MCOC? So I, uh, <laughs> it, there's, there's no story behind it. I'd got a new iPad for my birthday 
and uh, I, I, I downloaded MCOC because it was a Marvel game and I knew about Marvel because I'd seen Spider-Man. So like I knew oh, about okay. Marvel, this looked fun. Uh, so <laughs> it was literally on the homepage of the app store and I downloaded it and I think I played it for like six hours day one. I was just obsessed. Um, so uh, I, I think I downloaded it on December 14th. So like a week into the creation of the game. Um, oh, okay. And with the exception of a six-month stint that first summer um, where I lost my iPad and my phone was not good enough to play the game, um, I have been playing it constantly ever since. Like, I I've, haven't really taken breaks. I haven't really stepped away from the game. I've just yeah. been playing it constantly for about seven years with the exception of that one part where I stepped away. So that's how I got into MCOC. Awesome. Uh, and so I think most people... Uh, probably know you from your time on the UMCOC podcast, uh, but you've also done some writing stuff for the Kabam website and stuff. How did yeah. all of that kind of stuff come about? Um. Okay. So, <laughs> start, it start honestly... with the podcast first because that you did that before you were writing for Kabam, I think. So, uh, yes, I did. So the podcast started specifically because someone, I, I think it was Royal, had an idea of wanting to do a podcast for MCOC because there wasn't one. And and this is like, we're talking like four years ago, three and a half, four years ago. So mm -hmm. um, she was like, oh, hey, what if we do a podcast? And I was like, oh, hey, I don't have to be on video for that. I'm in. You want me to be the generic <laughs> female? Let's go. Um, and I'd thrown that out there kind of as a joke, but then they were like, well, yeah, that could be kind of good. And I was like, well, I guess if that's what convinces you, okay, sure, let's do it. Um, and then I kind of <laughs> ended up as the host. So um, I, uh, um, it really just came from the idea of wanting to create content that wasn't a YouTube channel. Because none of us had really at the time wanted to create a YouTube channel. And so this was our like, hey, we're going to do this instead because this is a market that doesn't exist in the MCOC community yet. And we think we have a lot to offer. Um, so if you listen to those early, early episodes, um, there's like some cast changing, we take turns doing the greeting, we, there's, there's a lot of like finding our groove episodes, it's probably the first like 20 that are really finding our groove, um, and then we settle into having me as the host and um, kind of a more solidified cast, though obviously both Deacon and Royal would take extended breaks, whether because of baseball season or I know Royal was working a specific job that kept her away for a little while. Um, it it so that fluctuated a little bit but as a whole you kind of had the consistent cast throughout the next several years um yeah. and then obviously the introduction of jay nick later so um yeah. that's how the podcast started was just hey we want to do a podcast because none of us want to do youtube and then uh writing stuff for kabam um was kind of a happy coincidence so um i've never been quiet about the fact that I'm a writer. Like, I, yeah. I'm not quiet about anything, let's be honest, but um, I've, I've, I've never... <laughs> true, and I'm fine with that, it's fine. Um, so I've never been quiet about the fact that I'm a writer. And um, so when Kabam wanted to have these posts written that were like in the voice of someone from the community, from someone who really like could understand how the challenges work, could understand like, um, what was going on and how and could write it in a very engaging tone they were like hey dragon are you interested in doing this and i was like i don't think i could be more interested let's do this please and thank you um so uh that really gave me the opportunity and it's been super cool working with them on the summoner showdown post because it's um i love that i got to do it two years in a row and i'm hoping to do it again this year because it was great um yeah. 
Uh, I, I have a lot of fun with it. It lets me see a little bit of the kind of inner workings behind things because obviously there's certain like uh, guidelines that you have to adhere to when you're writing for a company. Um, yeah. One of the things that I have to do when I write those posts and now I, I can't stop doing it and I notice it when I write now and it drives me crazy is you have to capitalize the word champions. Like it's just oh, a, requi- yeah. a base requirement. Um, and now anytime I like talk, I accidentally capitalize champions just because I got so much into the habit of it. And now I'm like, ah, all right, well, this is apparently a thing. So um, <laughs> this is like a small example of one of the brand guidelines that they have in place. Yeah, because again, sure. it's a Marvel entity, so it has to have brand guidelines. Um, that's one yeah, of the things sure. I always think of. People are like, oh, what are their brand guidelines? I'm like, you have to capitalize the word champions the contest always has to be capitalized you know battle realm always has to be capitalized stuff like that and um (laughs) it's it's a fun little challenge for someone who doesn't do a ton of technical writing to do what is essentially technical writing um talking about the game at the level that i do um is technical writing and and to those who play the game like it doesn't seem like much like i don't get into the details of like rotations or anything like that um so it doesn't feel like technical writing to us who play the game day in and day out. But to anybody else, if they read those pages, they're like, what is this? I have no idea what I'm reading. I have no idea what this means. Um, it's one of those things where you don't appreciate the fact that it's technical writing until you try to show it to someone who has no idea of the topic. And then you're like, oh, yeah, that kind of is, huh? So, um, well, and it, I mean, if it's a <laughs> definition of technical writing, just from like a writing standpoint, too, like I, for those of you that don't, I, I took a tech writing class in undergrad. Like, tech writing in general refers to like formal writing for like business businesses and like formal letters and resumes and all that stuff is also considered technical writing. Uh, I took a whole class on that at undergrad, and I was. I was baffled by some some of the stuff I learned in that class about like the proper way to write things and address people and stuff like that. So I've been super excited to get to do that for Kabam because I, yeah, I just think it's sure. super cool. So yeah, that's awesome. I I think it's really neat that you're getting to do that. That also, you know, the stuff you just said also plays a big part into like some of the arguments we get into with the less enjoyable side of the Twitter community of the game, where they're like. <laughs> well, why can't we just have so-and-so or why didn't they tell us this or why didn't they do this? And I'm like, because they're not the only ones that have say in when stuff gets announced and when they do stuff and what they, and what they do with stuff. Like Marvel cares about their stuff. Like very much. Mar- so. Marvel has very much so. final say about what happens with their characters and with their creations and with their branding and all that stuff. So like, Kabam has to get OKs from Marvel and has to go on Marvel's timetable, even if it doesn't fit the timetable that they really want to have, you know. So. Yep. I, I, I will say, depending on what the content is, obviously Marvel has uh, approvals on pretty much everything. Um, yep. Again, it's mostly just like, keep it professional, keep it, you yeah, know, keep the sure. grade level low so it can be translated and, yeah. um, you know, keep it accessible. Like, like, don't write it just for the endgame community. Now, in the yeah. Summoner Showdown posts, um, I kind of made the argument of, like, okay, I understand we want this accessible to the, com- the community as a whole. I'm like, but I'm going to write this from the context of an uncollected player or higher. I'm like, I can't write this for a new player or it won't work. <laughs> um, yeah, 
That makes sense. I distinctly remembered making that argument, saying, I understand wanting to make it accessible for as wide an audience as possible, but in order for the content to work as what you want written, it has to be someone who has probably at least 40 hours in the game, if not more. Um, And they were like, oh, okay. So um, that was one where I was like really passionately kind of, this needs to be this way, please. Uh, And they were willing to go along with that when I explained kind of the logic behind it. So, um, yeah, I've loved it. I hope I I hope I get to keep doing it because it's just, it's so much fun. Um, And I mean, it's a game I've played for seven years, right? And I get to write content for them. That's so cool. Yeah, that's how I feel about making the podcast, even though it's not official or anything like that. I'm like, this is a game that I just play a lot that I really enjoy playing. And now I get to talk about it once a week for, you know, just and people actually listen to me talk about it, which is the coolest thing, because I'm like, wait, people actually want to hear me, even though I'm not important. Awesome. Yeah. (laughs) So. All right. A couple of these things are going to get covered in listener questions, so we'll we'll skip those for now. Um. I wanted to talk about this a little bit, uh, just amongst the three of us. Uh, who are your five most wanted female champs that are not in the game yet? We'll start with you, Dragon, since you are our guest of honor. No, don't start with me. I have to think about it. Um, okay, I'll start. <laughs> uh, give me, give me start. two minutes to think about it. Go ahead. You, can, you have an answer. Start. Um, so... Uh, I had to adjust my list because we found out that we're getting Black Cat in April, so that was one of them. Uh, but I would say Crystal uh, from the Inhumans, uh, Mystique, uh, who were the other ones? Uh, Jessica Drew, and then who were the other two? I had like a list of ten the other day, and I don't have it in front of me. Um, I think the other ones were, um, well, Black Cat, and then who was the fifth one? I think it was either Dazzler or Danny Moonstar, either of which I would be happy with. Uh, but another one I thought about last night uh, was Wolfsbane. That's another one that I would I would really like to have in the contest. David, what about you? Have you had any thoughts about some female champions? Yeah, like yeah. I'm, just because I mentioned her a second ago, I would love to see Typhoid Mary. I would love to see Mystique <laughs> good, in the that's game. That's a good call. Yeah. Um, Mystique would be so fun. Kate Bishop would be great. Um, uh, Okoye would be great, but um, another big one that I would love to see um, in the game, um, Moon Dragon. Okay. Um, Moon yeah, yeah. She was in Infinity Watch, and I she was awesome. Um, yeah, and she ends up well. Hey, she ends up being Drax's mama, uh, or daughter <laughs> rather. Daughter. Daughter. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> At least in one continuity, um, I think that's been yes, retconned. in one continuity, in one thing it's um, been retconned, but but yeah, Moon Deathstroke or sure. not Deathstroke, uh, Lady Deathstrike uh, would be yes, so that's one of the ones I was forgetting. Was fine. That was one of the ones I forgot. Yeah, yeah, um, she's definitely on my list because there, of my love of the there's animated series. Other <laughs> obvious ones that need to be there: uh, Monica Rambeau or Proton or. I want to see her in the game. That is true. I I would agree. (laughs) Captain Marvel, Um, Photon, Spectra. How many names has she had now? She has so many. Half a dozen, Um, I think. It's true. Ooh, Namorita. (laughs) Oh, Namorita's a good one. Yeah. Yeah, she would be fun. I don't know. New new Warriors, Mm -hmm. I think. Right? Isn't that New Warriors? I think she also... Yeah. I think she's also called Namorita. She was in Young Avengers as well, I think, so... 
I was yeah. going to say, I think I recognize that from Young Avengers. So, yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, I think she's in one of the Young Avengers runs as well. So. Yeah. All right. Um, you got Phoenix? a couple of them for Man, us? I'm just yeah, throwing them. Five. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. What you guys name some. You can you name some of mine, which is totally fine. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so Dazzler is at the top of my list. Um, okay. Kate Bishop is another one. Um, you, you mentioned Kate Bishop, but she is especially with the Hawkeye series. I want Kate Bishop oh, in the course. game. Yeah. Um, right. Ironheart is another one who I would yeah. love to see in the game. Um, again, we need more Tech Lady champions. We need more Tech Lady champions. Um, so I would love to see Ironheart in the game. Danny Moonstar is one, obviously from the recent. Um, yeah. Uh, Summoner's Choice champion voting. Um, I actually looked up Danny Moonstar because I didn't know who she was. Um, and awesome. I was like, holy cow, I want this character in the game. So, yes. Um, literally, when you asked me at first, I was like, oh my God, I want Danny Moonstar. And uh, <laughs> um, which is why I had to write a whole bunch down really quickly. Um, and then uh, Lady Deathstrike, just like you guys. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 with a name like that, how can she not be in this game? Come on. Right. Right? Right. Oh, look. Her look, yes. oh my word, she could like be carnage on steroids. Uh, yes. At least in the game, the way they show her. I mean, just like go all out crazy to the wall. It could be so much fun. I want to see yeah. MCOC's animator tackle Lady Dust Strike so bad. I think yeah, that would be amazing. She's, she's I mean, like awesome. combine Mojo and, and uh, <laughs> um, Carnage, and, and it could be just, yeah. Like it could be absolutely disgusting and wonderful. So um, I, ugh. I don't know. I, yeah. I think in terms of who I want most, it's probably Kate Bishop and Danny Moonstar with a side of Dazzler, mostly because of Katie. <laughs> Katie, Katie, Katie got me into Dazzler. Like Katie being oh, okay. all about voting for Dazzler and sure. talking about Dazzler, and I was like, okay, who is this character? Obviously, I love the name, but like, what's going on here? And uh, was like, ooh, okay, I like this character. Sure. So nice. Who is the female Herald? Um... Galactus had uh, not Aunt May. She was a herald for like a brief second, but yeah, <laughs> throw Aunt May in the game, please. Go, go <laughs> I would Nolan. love that. <laughs> Actually, do you know who I'd love in the game? I'd love uh, Olivia Octavius from Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. I would love her. All, I would love her. All universe Doc Ock. Yeah. Yes. Give me, give me all tech. universe Doc Ock. Well, I just, I love the banter. Like, only my friends call me Liv, and then later you have Aunt May. Liv. Like, I just, I love, I love it. I love all of that. I want that in the game. So. Yeah, the the female version of Doc Ock is on Spidey and his amazing friends, the new Disney cartoon mm -hmm. that my son yes. And she's, she's pretty funny. <laughs> So we're not lacking for good female champions. Um, no, there's plenty outside out of the game. Sure. Bring them to the game, and yes. yeah, yeah. I'm gonna be doing a tweet thread ah. later today that actually breaks down like the lady representation in the contest and what that looks and feels and sounds like. Mm -hmm. um, it's gonna be a bit long because I put a lot of information. I spent a lot of time on it, May pulling stuff together. Um, but I, I really want to showcase like why is International Women's Day a thing and because this is what representation looks like within the contest. And obviously this is right. just a microcosm of the uh, day as a whole across everything mm -hmm. far reaching outside of MCOC. I'm like, but that doesn't mean MCOC doesn't also feel the impacts. And I really want to highlight that because I remember mm -hmm. a lot of people, it really resonated when I sat down and I said, there are only 48 ladies out of 218 champions. Like I remember that right. number in particular really resonating with a lot of people with like, 
really? It's only 48? I'm like, yeah, it literally is only 48. Um, Some people will make an argument for, you know, we need to have more representation of this race or that race. And if we look at, at, um, at the just demographic uh, structure, uh, maybe, um, maybe it's like 20% of the American populace is, is this minority. When you get to gender, though, that's like 50-50 or pretty yep. close to 50-50. Why isn't that a little bit bigger? Um, yeah. And, to and, be fair, really and, and as, we've, as we've talked about a couple of times over the last few weeks on the show, it's, mm-hmm. not, it's not a kabam problem. It's yeah. a media right. problem. It's a comics problem. Correct. It's a movies yes. problem. Like, it's not just that. Like their their ratio in the game. What's really sad is that the ratio in the game is actually better than the ratio in like comic books and stuff. <laughs> You're not like, wrong. It's actually there's actually a smaller number or smaller percentage mm-hmm. of female characters in comics as a whole compared to the the ratios in MCOC. What so, what do you think that ratio is right now though with uh, current in print? Uh, because while the the ratio as a whole. Uh, not everybody is getting representation. Like I'm pretty certain if I were to go to the comic book store right now, there is a Kate Bishop and Yelena uh, run uh, or at least something that is, is going on and that's selling right now. Um, yeah. I don't know what that I don't know what, is. Though. I don't know what the percentages are as far as like active current runs or anything. Uh, the right. numbers I was looking at was a, was a research study done from a couple of years ago. Um, just about comics. I would say that's I don't know. slanted slightly because I, well, I want to think things but, have gotten slightly better. Well, we would hope, but at the same time, I don't think that it's gotten to <laughs> what is representative of the globe. Because <laughs> okay, it's probably population. it's probably not fifty fifty. Let's let's put it that way. It's probably yeah. Not. No, I, I would no. say it's probably closer to seventy thirty now, but that's better than the ninety ten or yeah. ninety five mm-hmm. five that it used to be. So I definitely think it's getting better. I definitely think it's improving. I think um, executives are starting to realize uh, women have money, <laughs> and you can sell us things. Imagine that. Um, and uh, I, I think the the nerdy woman is no longer like a pariah in executive right. circles for companies like Marvel. And uh, yeah. I, I think that shows very much in the MCU, like very much. Um, they're, they're seeing women being a huge demographic because women are bringing their kids. Women are enjoying the content themselves. You know, Marvel movies are a date night, you know, like mm-hmm. it, it, they're realizing that there is more to the demographic than just, you know, um, I can we can rely on what we've been doing for the past sixty years, and I I love that. Like I love the latest runs of Harley and Poison Ivy. Like for example, like this is a DC example, obviously specifically, but um, right. I love some of the more recent Wonder Woman runs. I love the fact that Kate Bishop is becoming more prevalent. Um, I I love seeing these little hints of like kind of hope for the future of comics. Like Kamala Khan's run, um, her first run yeah. had something like historic, like six reprint six reprints or something. I'm trying to remember. Um, But I remember reading about that and it just made me so happy to be like, okay, okay. Someone's going to look at this at the very least and see the sales numbers behind this and go, huh, there's money to be made here. And the second that happens, more representation shows up. Um, So while I I still think it won't be 50-50 for a very long time, um, I think a young girl could go into a comic book store these days 
and find something. And I think that's the most important thing. So as the father of a young girl, (laughs) I've taken, uh, like, I I really hoped my daughter would would like Wonder Woman or Mm -hmm. Kate Bishop, especially because my daughter does archery. Um, Oh. And um, she's not a huge archery fan, but she does archery at school. And so I really hoped she would uh, gravitate uh, towards, you know, a a show like, well, uh, Hawkeye featuring Kate, uh, because she was such a good character too such um i really like the way she was written um but she liked spider-man more uh, which was fine which is fine i mean i i really care less uh on if she is into superhero movies or not but as a dad i'm like you know i want you to see these that there is a lot more than just some guy superhero uh, women can be every bit as strong um yeah I, I think it's, I think what'll happen, because this happened to me too, because I, I grew up mm-hmm. and Captain America and Hawkeye were my favorite Avengers. Like, even if you ask me today, mm-hmm. they're still my favorite Avengers. Um, and I, I think that's because she probably sees more of herself in like sassy Peter Parker. And also Peter Parker, compared to all the other Avengers, is a kid. You know, sure. so so that might be where some of it is coming from, if I had to hazard a guess. Um, also... Uh, I don't know about her, but this was also true for me. Um, Spider-Man swinging around buildings is just cool. Like, man, that's just cool. <laughs> that, that's why. I, that's why I wanted Kate to be um, um, a good example, or even Yelena. Uh, yeah, we, for sure. We definitely watched the Black Widow movie too, uh, but she wasn't in the Black Widow movie at all, and that was fine with me. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just—I don't know. Um, I, I was still kind of caught off guard um and i think some of that is um you know i remember having a conversation with my sister uh several years ago about you know, my daughter wanted to play with something at her house and she's got a, my nephew who's about her age uh, a couple years younger than her he wanted to pay, play with the same thing and her reasoning my daughter's reasoning was well it's pink i should be able to play with it and my sister's like just because it's pink doesn't mean that it's yours to play with boys can play pink stuff too or girls can play the blue stuff. And it just, it, it was one of those moments where I'm like, hey, um, there's a bigger conversation that needs to happen here because um, what I might want my daughter to, to latch on to might not be what she wants to latch on to. And, and what I, I feel that I'm trying to do for my daughter um, might not be the right thing. It was just a really uh, big trying to figure life out dad moment yeah i i gotcha she'll get there i i think is what I'll, oh yeah, I'll, yeah i'll tell I'm you not, so <laughs> I, i'm not even i'm not even remotely worried it was just i've got two older boys and things are definitely different with the daughter um yeah <laughs> well we learned we learned with our kids that kids are gonna like what they like regardless of whether you push them towards that or not right like, we intentionally did not like force princess stuff on our daughter and we didn't mm-hmm. force her to wear pink all the time. Like we put her in yellow and we put her in green and like we just did whatever we want. When she was old enough to start choosing stuff for herself, she immediately gravitated to princess stuff and wanting to wear pink all the time. <laughs> like that was just what she wanted to do. Uh, and what was really crazy is like, my daughter was a girl that, and now she's gotten in, she really wants to do her hair all the time and wants to do makeup. So she's eight. But like 
when she was three, four, five, she wanted to put on the prettiest, frilliest princess dress she could find, and then she wanted to go play in the mud. Like, so mm-hmm. like, that was just awesome. What she did. Uh, and you know, we've had that conversation too, because like, like my son loves to play with baby dolls. He also mm-hmm. loves to play with fire trucks. Like, and I, like, I'm not gonna take baby dolls away from him. Like, he wants to play with a baby doll. Fine. Like, toys don't have to be gendered. Like, yes, just let the kids play with the toy, and it doesn't matter. Right. Like, you know, if it's a princess themed thing, then sure, make it pink. But like. My daughter doesn't need a pink fire truck to play with. She can just play with a fire <laughs> truck, you know. Like, and my yep. son, my son doesn't need a to have to play with a GI Joe if he wants to play with his sister's, you know, baby alive doll or whatever. He can. Like, <laughs> they're kids. Let them play. Let them. Yep. Let them. I, I think the most egregious example of that I ever saw was the pink Nerf gun. And it f- finally got discontinued. And I was so happy about it because it made me so angry every time I saw it in like a Walmart or a Target. But it was there like, now girls can play too. And it was just like this bright pink yeah, garish and it Nerf like gun. The, it had like oh, the fairy wings on the Nerf yes! gun. Yes! Oh yeah, my I god. That. I was so mad. I was like, it's a Nerf gun. They're, it's like a super soaker. They're universe. They're not gender. Yeah. You don't gender a super soaker. Like, like come on. So, um, I, I just yes. like, just the like, girls, girl, just give girls a Nerf gun. Girls, I, I guarantee they probably have better aim. The, girls cannot touch the black and orange Nerf gun. Oh my Only god, the pink one. I have a better Nerf gun collection than a lot of the guys I know. Like, don't even give me and I, and I have crossbows with nice. expanded ammo slots. Like, oh, yeah. don't even give me. I mean, I mean, I have. I have seen some nice pink ones. I mean, I would I would carry one if I was carrying a gun. I don't care. I love to wear pink. There's, I love to wear there's pink. There's part of me that hates that, and then there's and part of me that care. goes like, okay, but if it was purple, which is my favorite color and the color of my hair, I would absolutely buy it. I would absolutely buy it. I'm like, purple is my favorite color. You would, you would buy it. <laughs> exactly, and that and that's why it exists because there's a woman out there yeah, somewhere exactly that so pink. it's like so oh for I, need that I hate the gendering of it and i do <laughs> at the same time i'm like so. but listen there's someone out there who wants that and that's okay um so so no yeah, i think the issue sure. is far more nuanced than <laughs> uh than a lot of people want to admit i i don't like when it's the the pink stuff is the only thing marketed also towards true. girls. If it's marketed as an option among other things, then that's fine. Like, because then you're gonna have that girl who exactly. likes that, and she's yeah. probably gonna be the most fierce one on the battlefield. Have fun. Like, yeah. The problem is not that they make a pink handgun. The problem is if a woman goes to buy a handgun and the guy only shows her the pink one, then it yes. becomes a problem. The fact yes. that it exists is not the problem. So. <laughs> Perfect, perfect description of the issue. So yes, but we kind well, of did like so much. I do, I do tend to describe things perfectly. It's kind of my thing. No. <laughs> um, Amen. Oh, so no. we have uh, a lot of stuff to get through still, and I'm kind of crunched for time, but I don't want to miss out on our listener questions. But uh, so some of this will get covered in listener questions. But uh, we have a special side quest uh, yeah. for March. And Dragon got to be a part of designing that with some of the other uh, ladies yeah. in the contest. So, Dragon, can you talk with us about that some? I don't know if you're still embargoed. I know it. Com- By the time the show comes out, it will probably be available for people to play. So, yes. I don't know if Kabam said you could talk about it or not. But so I can talk a little <laughs> bit about it because mine won't be released okay. the first week. 
So I can't I can't spoil everything, but I can oh, talk okay. a little gotcha. bit about it. So um, cool. I got to design a fight again um, for International Women's Day. And the super cool thing, I know a lot of people are frustrated that it's not a boss rush this year, but we actually got to design a whole bunch of the side quest. Like awesome. all those path fights, we got to pick if we wanted to. So like, oh, cool. you'll see on the path fights to my kitty, because that's been announced. I did kitty pride. Um, uh, they are all very me champions. And it's actually in a screenshot, so you can actually see it in the inside the contest video, and you can see the three that are oh, on okay. the path to Kitty Pride. Um, yeah. But so I, I'm free to spoil that because it's already public information. Um, but uh, so you'll see Rogue, shocking, I know. Jubilee, also surprising, and Dragon Man. So nice. I definitely went with a theme <laughs> for all of mine, um, and uh, I very much think that uh, you guys are going to have fun with Kitty Pride. I do not think she is the hardest fight this year, um, which I know makes a lot of people worried because I make tough fights, um, but she is not the toughest fight this year. Um, I will tell you one of the toughest fights this year is coming in the last week. So oh. be ready because it's going <laughs> to be tough. Um, I will tell you... Kitty Pride has two nodes that work very uh, well together. Um, but I will tell you that she has a very long list of counters. Um, I will also tell you that if you know how to fight Kitty Pride, you'll probably be fine. Um, I've, I've, I've gravitated away from making impossible fights because as fun as impossible fights are, because they are, um, I, I'd rather make a well-designed fight, like a la Summer of Pain, like make a fight that makes sense kind of thing. Um, so, so that's really kind of what I shot for. Um, awesome. So you will have two nodes that work very closely in conjunction. However, if you do not know how to fight Kitty Pride, you will get your face punched in. So that is the warning I will give you. If you do not know what you are doing against Kitty Pride, you you will get wrecked pretty hard. I think. Oh, Joy, I'm gonna get wrecked. I haven't really figured out. I'm doing really well fighting with her. I haven't really figured out fighting against her too much yet, but. (laughs) Yes. Yep. This this may come as a shock to everybody, but you should probably, in general, read the nodes before you go into (laughs) difficult content. Yeah. Yep. No, Rogue was two two years years ago. ago, Jubilee was last year. Uh, it was like the third. It was second or third, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It wasn't far in. Yes, it was early. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because she had invade, right? She did. She had yeah. invade. She had aggression regeneration. She had, um, I don't remember the name of the node, but she goes unstoppable every 10 seconds. And then she also had aspect of death, which was specifically because her specials are super easy to dodge. So I wanted to make mm-hmm. them more dangerous. Um, yeah. Makes so, sense. yeah, but parrying her. Not not gonna have a good time. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I remember that fight. Yeah. You are gonna want to read the notes. Yes. Yep. Um, I will also tell you if you bring in a kitty counter, you are gonna have an easier time with the fight. So if you can bring in a specific champion who counters kitty, uh, so like Nimrod or War Machine or. Um, a champion Daredevil. with basically suppression. Um, Sorry, Daredevil might be okay. Um, I had to throw that out there. I, uh, yeah, um, I love I love fighting Daredevil with Kitty because he hits her when she's phased, but my Kitty's dupe, so it doesn't matter how many times he hits her because yep. she still doesn't take damage. It's super fun. <laughs> that is that is super fun. Um, 
So she, I think, will present a challenge. So, but I will also say, I, I don't, I designed her so you didn't need a specific counter, unlike I've done in the past. Um, oh, Jubilee, okay. obviously, last year, if you didn't read the nodes, once again, you saw all the pretty fireworks more than once um, because you weren't keeping track of the power gain and how the power gain worked and what was triggering different power gains. Um, she was very doomable. She was very, you know, you could take magic in against her. You could take um, a vision against her and be successful. But again, the point isn't to make a fight you can't beat. The point is to make a fight that's fun and makes sense. And um, that's what I continue to strive for. So I think you're going to see that with Kitty. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of <laughs> Lockheed action. Um, but uh, I think everyone will have fun with it. I was excited everyone, to do that again. It was so much everyone fun. Everyone will have Dragon's form of fun, which may not be fun. User user experience may vary. Let's the rage feeds me. It's all good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, so that was lovely. And I'm excited for everybody to dive into it. Yeah, so so this side quest is one of those that a new chapter unlocks each week. Is that how this one's going to work, it sounds like? Uh, yes. Okay, so a new chapter, cool. I think two fights per week. Um, oh, okay. Cool. We'll release the first two that are coming out are um, uh, by Kabam folks. Actually, two ladies in the Kabam industry. So Kabam Boo and cool. I. Oh, I don't remember the other one. I read the news article. And I don't remember the other one, but I know Kabam Boo is one of them. Um, okay. Cool. So uh, and then I think I'm in week two with Royal, and then okay. um, I think Starfighter and Cat. Yes, are in week three, and then uh, Liza and Padme are week four, if I remember correctly. So yeah, I can already tell you, I'm not looking forward to fighting Quake for Padme's thing. I those two fights are going to be good. Those two fights are going to be and good. I I shudder to think what Liza might have come up with. <laughs> so so let, I saw let people. Me put it this way. Let me put it this way. Liza's first iteration of her fight basically got the guy who designed abyss to say hey can i have this to use in the future oh yeah. <laughs> now it got adjusted from there it like, got adjusted if, from there but <laughs> like if anyone's going to create a fight similar to the ice man that people still complain about from og boss rush i, I know but if anyone can design something that will be on a similar hatred scale, I'm thinking Lizer probably will. <laughs> I mean, Dragon Dragon could, but Dragon obviously has learned how to make something fun as well. <laughs> I think Lizer has the ability to just make things vindictive. Yep. Yep. Well, we Domino's tested it. not really enjoyable to fight in general and this was like, back before she can Warlock. be a, she can be a hard time a hard fight anyway yeah. yep and we specifically unduped her because the duped version was too hard to get through people couldn't get through exactly because because uh, you just died yep but that's why <laughs> yeah. i used domino because i wanted to be able to fight ghost and corvus so you couldn't get through her it was a whole thing yeah so no yes. it, it makes sense <laughs> i was on an anti-ghost well, and corvus looking, quest i am looking forward to trying that out uh, and seeing what y'all came up with i'm sure y'all came up with some awesome stuff yeah uh, some really cool really cool content creators who create a variety of content like cat's content is infographics and drawings and she is amazing uh so looking forward to to seeing all that uh so we had our new update come out and it 
is mostly there. It seems like some things are not there yet. But uh, there are new Karina's challenges, and some of them are actually, like, doable. <laughs> so that's <laughs> nice. Uh, Dragon, have you dipped your toe into any of those yet? I know they just came out, but... Um, so they did just come or... out yesterday. I have not, because some of the champions I want to use are still in AQ. So, or oh, AW okay. in this case. So, um, so I have not yet. And everyone's going to be like, why didn't you do Realm of Legends? And the reason I haven't done Realm of Legends yet, um, even though I have all of my three stars ranked, is because um, I am in the middle of trying to finish clearing 7.1. So I'm, oh, I'm doing okay. a lot of Act 6 content nice. at the moment. Or excuse me, Act 7 content at the moment. Um, so yeah. that's why I didn't jump straight into them. They're permanent. They're oh, not okay. going anywhere. Yeah. I have every intention of hopping in probably this weekend, um, but not at the exact moment in time we are at. So um, yeah. I really want to do the Realm of Legends ones because I think I could do all of those without any issue. Um, I also want to do um, the Act 6 ones because I still have paths that are missing in Act 6. Um so I want to do the Karina's challenges from volume one and volume two that are both in act six um, mm -hmm. and, and just clear those and get them out of the way. Um, yeah. I, I don't particularly love those two challenges, but um, I do think that I'm going to have an easier time with them. Um, so I'm going to hop into doing both of those. So that's yeah. going to be a thing for me. I, um, yeah. um... I'm looking forward to doing the Doc Ock one because I love Doc Ock. Yeah. Uh, he's so much fun to play with. Uh, I'm right there with Jay Nick and Kabam John. I love Doc Ock. Um, so I'll try that one. I've only done completion on the Act 6 stuff because it was such a chore to get even completion. I haven't explored <laughs> any of it yet. Um, so I was looking at it earlier and I'm like, I may do the path I've already done just because I don't know if I want to tackle these other paths, but we'll see. Uh, I probably won't do that one anytime soon. I'll probably do the other three-star Realm of Legends ones. I did the Aegon one last night, uh, which is one of the reasons that we have... Well, actually, that's not what that's about, the wasted units part, but uh, <laughs> I did use all my potions and revives because I'm stubborn and sometimes I just want to do something, and I was halfway through, so I was like, I'm going to keep doing it, and Wolverine still sucks, so... Um. Yep. <laughs> yep. But then this morning I saw somebody say that they turned on Pacify and I was like, yeah, I should have turned on Pacify. That might have made that fight. Oh easier. my gosh, did you do but that without Pacify? I did. I did it without <gasps> Pacify. And oh! it sucked. It was so bad. Uh, I didn't even think about it. Like I just was like, well, I'll have full combo by the time I get to Wolverine. It'll probably be okay. Um, oh. And it wasn't. It was, it was awful. But I did it. I didn't. Oh, I had full com I had max combo by the time I got to Wolverine. You have max combo by the second fight using three three star <coughs> on. You, you you Well, if you if you're good, then yes. <laughs> if you suck like me, then you don't. But <laughs> I had I had like six hundred and something. <laughs> anyway, yeah. so I did so I did the Aegon one last night. Um, and in honor of International Women's Day, I pulled a female champ from my six star crystal. Uh, unfortunately, it was Electra, so it didn't feel worth the yeah <laughs> the time I spent on yep. Aegon. Uh, but I now have one in each volume done, one in volume one and one in volume two. Nice, so, you know, uh, it's something. Uh, I think the robot one will be fun. I think Gilly ninety nine. Yeah, the we'll you take you take Gillian ninety nine in. in there. The only tough fight is Jugs. That's the yeah. only the only fight that is not not a fun time is Jugs. Um, 
So she's probably I'm probably gonna do the robot one first. Um, yeah. and uh, she actually makes the Wolverine fight super quick. So apparently it makes the Jugs fight worth it getting through it. Um, yeah. and with her life steal, once you get her up to her combo, obviously she uh is very sustainable. Yeah, she's super so, sustainable. Yeah. Yeah. So that one shouldn't be bad. I'll probably do it here in the next week or two. Yep. Uh, and then yeah. I need to go do. I need to go do the rogue one from volume one. I, do that one. It's so much easier now, than you so think. It should it's be. so much easier than you think. Yeah, it shouldn't It shouldn't be bad. I think my rogue is R5 now. I think I finally ranked her up. So. Yeah, you could even do, do it with R4. Soon. Yeah, uh, yes, for sure. Um, the, 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 it, the path will give you the most problems. The crossbones fight is easy. Like straight yeah. up. The crossbones fight is super easy. It's all about just stealing his furies and wailing on him. Stealing yeah. his furious wailing, and because you're healing every single time you do, you're healing yeah, for pretty you, much all of your really health. Matter. So yeah. yeah, you just you just go in and <clears throat> and will wreck him with. I would say you need to have your rogue at least at R three if you're using a five star in order to like mm-hmm. get through the rest of the path. But yeah. outside of that, you should be fine. There's no problem yeah, with that crossbow. I'll probably do that one next, but we'll see. Heck yeah! All right. <laughs> I just pulled six star rogue for the first time. And I'm so excited about it. I just need the two star now. I'm so close. I feel so bad. I feel so bad for you that you don't have two star rogues still. How, many, how many crystals have you opened? I like don't a thousand? Know, but I don't know, but I've spent more than 9,000 units chasing her. Oh my gosh. That's so <laughs> crazy to me. It's so crazy. <laughs> Yeah. Um, okay. So in my defense, just like really quickly, the reason why it's it's well over nine thousand, it's over nine thousand. Okay. Sorry, I had to have the mental meme for a second. Um, I uh, it's because the first time the two star collector crystals came out, the very first time, it was right after the first Deadpool spring cleaning. I'd bought every single offer when that came out because the Aegon grind was coming up and I had planned oh, to yeah, put yeah, up yeah. 90 million points that. for the five-star Aegon to get him because I was not going to not have Aegon. And so then I pulled Aegon from a basic crystal the day before the arena started. So I had yeah, I like 16,000 units sitting around and I was like, well, I'm going to go open some crystals. So I opened two-star me who barely ever buys calves. And if I do, it's like one at a time bought Gads of these crystals and I was popping exclusive two stars all over the place and then I realized I didn't have Domino or Rogue and I was like well I have to open more clearly so I kept opening more trying to chase Domino and Rogue and I eventually pulled Domino so I have Domino but I don't have Rogue so I'm still chasing Rogue every single time on Marvel Insider there's a collector crystal I buy it still chasing Rogue I'll get her someday I'll, I'll, I'll get her someday but heck if I know when that someday is going to be so Alrighty. It's all good. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody lords it over me. It's so. fine. I'm used to it by now. <laughs> all right. I'm pretty crunched for time. So let's grab oh, a couple of listener sorry. questions. Real- no, yeah. you're good. I just, I unfortunately had to pick my son up early today. So I just want to make sure I'm not late to get him. You are all good. Uh, so our buddy, Mr. King 13, had a question. He wanted to know. What is the best part of being a female in community? In the community, he knows there's bad parts, but what has been the best part about being a female in the MCLC community? Meeting other ladies who game like I do. Yeah, with sure. without a question, it's meeting yeah. people like Lizer. It's meeting people like Starfighter, like Katie Candy. Mm-hmm. Just it, it's that great feeling of I'm not alone, and and that for me will always be the best part about being a lady in the MCLC community is 
being yeah, that sure. person for other ladies and uh you know meeting other ladies just like me who are just as dirty as me <laughs> yeah that's awesome yeah all right uh so tanner zuzga wants to know and mk wanted to know this as well what what's your favorite like thing you've done in mcoc or your favorite mcoc moment and if you have a couple that's that's fine too okay um favorite moment in mcoc um oh man that's a heck of a question um i had some ideas of what i thought you might say but i definitely don't want to speak for you especially on international women's day so i'll let you answer (laughs) and then i'll say what i thought you would say okay um it's okay so number one is probably getting warbound it's probably probably the number one moment uh the favorite thing i've ever done in mcoc i was exhausted sleep deprived broke and uh (laughs) getting getting that title just made every single moment of it worth it and there are people who will say that title wasn't worth it it was worth it to me um it was it was on my arena bucket list um next is probably the first time i ever got a featured uh five-star champion from the arena back before six stars were a thing um and that was domino she Mm -hmm. was my first r5 and my only r5 for a very long time um and last but not least um probably creating the fights for international women's day and uh uh boss freshes so those would be probably my three oh two out of three ain't bad oh what was was the third one what was the third one so i i said that you would say getting warbound for the squirrel girl arena yeah i thought that would be that uh, and then I thought that you might say getting to help design Jubilee was one of the other I, things. That yeah, I, that's up there too, man. Like I, I yeah. yes, that too. See, that's not quite as widely publicized as like the boss rushes, which is why kind of the boss yeah. rushes probably rank above that for me. Um, just yeah, because like sure. my name ends up everywhere as a result because my name's right on the notes. So um, whereas yeah. the Jubilee thing is known because I'm public about it. So it's known in my circles, but not as widely yeah. known in the contest. So yeah, that makes sense. But All right, yes. and our buddy XN. <laughs> I have yeah, rocked is, the Lady Dragon since I got that it. Is, that ever is change. pretty cool to have <laughs> a title. Uh, so our buddy XN wanted to know what you've learned or taken away from the experience of designing for the International Women's Day events. That's a great question. And and I kind of touched on it earlier with like the, what I talked yeah, about designing sure. it. Um, I Fights don't have to be hard just for sake of being hard. It's yeah. okay to design a fight that's just fun. Um, I uh, last year when I designed the Jubilee fight, like my my going in, I wanted everyone to see her animations. Like that was literally my one design goal going into that Jubilee fight. And when DNA three thousand actually on the forums did a whole write up of all of our fights, and like he did a grading system and he described all of them, and it was super cool and really enjoyable to to like read and get into. Um, his his like little blurb about mine was dragon likes jubilee's animations and she wants you to like them too and i was like yes i succeeded that is exactly what i wanted um so my experience is that that very first fight i ever designed that domino was specifically because i wanted to make a fight that corvus and ghost couldn't do and as a result 90 percent of the rest of the contest couldn't do so i i realized how kind of prohibitive that content was and it wasn't enjoyable for so many people and i wanted them to enjoy these challenges so instead i focused on kind of niching the champions so that way they were doable but people are still going to have trouble with them like rogue 
So Rogue yeah. was very easily Corvisable. Rogue was very easily Ghostable. You just had to know how to do the fight. Jubilee mm -hmm. was very doomable. You could take magic in against her. Heck, if you were good about her specials and managing power, you could use anybody against her in reality. Yeah. Um, and people were still having trouble with the fights and struggling with them, but they weren't impossible. And I got so much mm -hmm. more enjoyment out of the Rogue and Jubilee fights than I did out of the Domino fight. So I've continued to carry the philosophy of it's okay if it doesn't counter every single champion. You can still make a tough fight. Like if you take Nimrod in against the Kitty Pride fight, you're probably going to have a relatively easy time. But that's because Nimrod is a Kitty counter. Like that's how mm -hmm. he's designed. Um, yeah. But... Do I still think the fight will be challenging for you? Yeah. Do I think it will be as hard as it will be for other people? Nah, not at all. So um, yeah, I, I have awesome. really just tried to like focus on having a design intent. And Kitty Pride's intent is know how to fight Kitty Pride. <laughs> if, yeah. if you don't know how to fight Kitty Pride, you are probably going to have a tough time. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, I'm glad that you shared that with us. That's really neat. Yeah. Also, note to self, take my new... 565 Nimrod into the Kitty Pride fight. Yes, you're going to want him. Yep, yep. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, real quick, let's just talk about uh, anything you've done recently, Alliance stuff, rank-ups, polls, any of that stuff, anything you want to brag about content-wise. I know you said you're working on 7.1. I am working on 7.1. Um, I just finished. Um, <clears throat> so I, I had only had 7.1.1 done. I now have 7.1.2, 3, and 4 done. And I have one okay. path left on 5. I will be finishing 6 probably tomorrow. Um, so that'll be good. I don't think I'm going to be able to do 7.4 like the week it launches, nor do I want to. But I want it. my goal is to have 7.1 and 7.2 done um, probably by like mid-April. So and I think that's a pretty reasonable like... So length you're, of time. <laughs> are you fully exploring right now or are you yes. just doing completely? Oh no, I'm fully exploring, cool. going through and doing okay, every cool. single path. I have the roster to do it, so it's just a matter yeah. of like going in and tackling all of them. Um yeah, and sure. uh continuing to improve my own skills as a result. So um yeah. pulls, I'm actually hoarding crystals right now because I'm gonna go oh, for okay. Omega Sentinel. So I have oh, um, okay. I have like eighty thousand five star shards that I'm saving for the next feature, and I have um I think 35,000 six-star shards. Um, and since Omega Sentinel, it looks like is going to be in not the next feature, but the following feature, she's about she'll 130 days away. More. So she'll yeah. be past July 4th. So I'm probably going oh, to hoard okay. until then. Um, I have plenty of six-stars I want to rank wow. up in the meantime, so I'm not worried about yeah. it. Okay. And I'm hoping to have about cool. 200,000 shards. So, nice. um But recent rank-ups, I ranked up my, my uh, six-star torch, which was awesome. Nice. Which is, is now another champion I have at both 565 and, and rank 3, <laughs> which is fine. Um, and then I think my next rank up is actually going to be Strife. Not because oh, okay. I particularly like Strife or really want to R3 him, but because I have a spare mutant tier 5 CC and because he's going to be ideal for that mutant abyss path. Not that I'm ever going to do abyss, but if I ever am going to do it, well, Strife's going to be the one I do it with. So I might as well have him ranked up. So Yeah. Yeah. I have a, I have a mutant catalyst and I'm really considering using it on Emma Frost because I've really been enjoying her a lot. But then use it on we'll her. See. I mean, I, I have, might. I might. We'll see. Uh, I have three at the moment and two are saved for <laughs> Jubilee and taking her to rank four because I'm only half a catalyst away. Um, 
from from accomplishing that. Um, nice. Yeah, I know. I'm excited to take her to rank four. So two are kind of assigned to Jubilee, but that means I have a yeah. third one kind of floating around, and I'm pretty close mm -hmm. to forming a fourth one, so I don't want to run into that, so I'm like, ah, I gotta use it on somebody. That needs to happen, so yeah. gotta figure out who that's after, gonna be. After the selector I got for the Aegon Karina's challenge, I now have one of every class, so... Yeah! I'm like, uh, I don't really have anyone that I want to R three at the moment. I mean, I might R three, I might R three my torch, which would mean I would also have a five sixty five and an R three torch. Uh, but my R two is is carrying me well enough currently. So that's fair. I I will uh, say, as someone who has a whole bunch of like duplicates, I think out of twenty three R threes, I think I have something like eleven or twelve. Also, as five sixty fives, it's worth mm -hmm. it. It's 100% yeah. worth it because I can be running Alliance Quest and Alliance War and have every champion I need at any given yeah, time. True. So It's funny, like, since I R3'd my six-star ghost, uh, when I use my five-star one occasionally, it feels so slow. <laughs> because my six-star does so much damage that it's like, yep. oh. But, I mean, it's nice to have ghost available if I use ghost in, like, AQ or something. So uh, it's definitely nice to have have both of them but for sure uh, <clears throat> i my rank ups i decided to rank towards variant content with this last level Ooh, up so okay. i i ranked up my six star venom to rank two because he covers like three variants Ooh. uh and then i ranked up my five star uh venom pull and overseer i think they're both ranked four Overseer might only be ranked. Overseer's three, but... so good. He is he is so underrated by people right now. I ranked him up to rank three not uh, a while ago now, but he is a beast. He's so I haven't good. used him that much, but I've seen people talking about him some. And then I was watching BG and Lags do their Battlegrounds challenge against yeah. each other. Yeah, yeah, And BG banned Overseer every time. And I was like, well, I don't know why he's doing that. But it might be worth it to have Overseer ranked up just to have someone ban him instead of banning somebody else I might actually want to use when Battlegrounds comes out. So Overseer like, has eh, auto-block with I've Perry. I've heard he's cool. He has yeah. auto-block with Perry, and he can heal, which makes him yeah. essential so, for Battlegrounds. And he's so defender. chunky, yeah. so he's hard to kill. Yeah. So he's great. Yeah, so I'm going to start ranking some of those guys up. But I ranked up Venom and Venom Pool for variant since they're xl and then yeah. deadpool variant and stuff as well so that's what i've done lately so uh i wanted to ask you one last question real fast before we wrap up and then i gotta go unfortunately but yeah i could talk to you all day but i know Aww. we all have stuff to do so uh but i wanted to ask you about alliance stuff uh yeah. i know you've i think you're still in the same alliance you've been in for a long time yep uh but i wanted to ask y'all like what do y'all run now and like where are y'all like are y'all running map seven or are you running map eight Eight. Uh, and then, like, you're running map eight now? Okay. Yep. Uh, yeah, we switched and over then... to map eight the week it started. Sorry, I interrupted okay. your question. Go ahead. No, you're fine. And then, do y'all do y'all still run war as well? And, like, where are y'all at war-wise if you do run war? Yeah. Um, yeah, so we run map eight. Um, we uh, are... It's not kind of like officially in the prestige race, but it's kind of sort of in the prestige race. Um, so we're hovering just outside the top 90. We're about top 100, um, which okay. I'm very happy with. Because uh, yeah, awesome. now it's just a matter of increasing prestige for everybody, which is kind of dependent on crystal pools, and that's a whole thing. Yeah. Um, I will say map 8 is easier than map 7. 
Like, is like it? It, it. People say that, and it's like, oh, is that actually true? Yes, it's actually true. It's actually easier than Map Seven. Um, one because you don't have modifiers, which is super nice. Um, not gonna lie. And two because the paths are designed to support each other a lot more. Um, mm -hmm. And and don't get me wrong, there are very particular path identities. Like that is a thing. There are path identities, um, but. As long as your officers are assigning them appropriately, it's a lot easier than it seems. Um, I'm one of the designated boss killers for Penny Parker in the end, um, and I actually bring APOC against her, and he completely like wrecks her endlessly. Really? Okay. Uh huh. Because she has heavy assault on her, so all heavy attacks are oh, much okay. more powerful, gotcha. and she bleeds. She can't be poisoned, and she can't be incinerated, but she bleeds. So with yeah. APOC, between the increase in attack and the um, and anti... And on heavy. Yeah. yeah, and the anti like penny mechanics that he has, he just mm -hmm. wrecks her completely. So nice. um, I literally just go into that fight and parry heavy. Parry heavy bait SB1 nice. is like my whole fight, so... <laughs> Which is easy. Cool. Um, so, and then Alliance War, yes, we are still running war. Um, we, we don't competitively push war. Um, okay. None of us really want to get burned out doing that. So right now we're running Plat 4 with a decent-ish chance at Plat 3. Um, nice. Yeah, none of us particularly want to do like a Plat 3, Plat 2 push, even though we have the rosters to do it. Um, yeah. Just because it's so easy to get burned out doing that. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we'd rather continue to focus on NQ and just, you know, do Alliance Wars. We can do Alliance War. And we've had members we've lost who want to do more competitive Alliance War, but none of us feel bad about that. You know, yeah, if they want to go sure. be more competitive, have at it. Um, I think it's one of those things where uh, enough people understand what we're doing compared to what other alliances are doing and you know find a home there um this is the first yeah, alliance sure. i ever told i was a lady um and then i left it for about a year and a half to be in another alliance and then i came back um mm -hmm. so this is one of two alliances i've spent probably uh 95 percent of my mcfc career with so that's that's nice. pretty cool for me like there's guys in this yeah, alliance i've known really for cool. six years now so <laughs> yeah that's cool that's that's pretty wild when i think about it but it's true yeah for sure that's awesome all right. Well, unfortunately, I got to wrap up. I got to go pick up my son. But thank you so much for joining us today, Dragon. It was a pleasure to have you and uh, would certainly not be opposed to having you on again someday if you wanted to come back and talk more nerdy stuff because it's, uh, it's been a, a joy to have you. Uh, you can check us out on social media at Pastors Assemble on Twitter and at anchor.fm slash Pastors Assemble. Uh, I'm going to do our customary prayer and then we will get out of here so father god we just thank you for this time together today to talk about nerdy things and to visit with our good friend uh who has been a mentor to so many of us in the contest and is just a, a enjoyable person to to interact with and spend time with and we pray that uh, whatever words we share on this podcast would uh provide hope to people that they would feel the genuine love that we have for the people that we interact with and the people we don't interact with, the people that hear our words that we never hear back from. Uh, we love them too. Uh, and we just pray that uh, you would use this uh, time that we use every week uh, to speak to those you need to speak to. And, and we thank you for what it means to us as we get to do it every week. In your gracious name we pray. Amen. All right, everybody. We will catch you next week on Pastors Assemble. Peace out. Bye, everybody. Thanks for having me.